Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Batter Round. Coming to you from our Towson studios, we are live on Saturday, November 19th, 2022, on a cold but sunny Saturday morning. I'll take the sun, even though it's cold. Um, want to apologize. We do have some um, landscapers outside. They're, they're blowing leaves. They told me that this is their last spot, and they're only going to be about 10 minutes, so hopefully... Um, it this is this is every Saturday. It, be, to be clear, it's it's every Saturday. Um, hopefully, you know uh, the guy was nice enough. He's like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. He's like, it's only going to take ten minutes. We'll be done soon. Mm. Um, so if you hear that in the background, sincerest apologies from myself, Zach, and the people over at Pressbox. We're just um, we got these new studios, and I guess we didn't check with what their landscaping schedule was because it certainly is just about every Saturday morning. Not just about. It's every Saturday morning. Yeah, it but, is. But um, uh, hopefully it, it'll be done soon. And then all we got to worry about is the buzzing of the computer. Um, yeah, it's not going on today, so yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's a plus. Uh, hey, you better knock on wood. I, I'm going to knock on. <laughs> you, this you, might be fake wood over here. I'm yeah, not sure. Uh, but Well, I got some real wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a real wood table over here. It's actually, I think it's, it used to be part of a basketball court. It looks no, like. it did, actually. It's really cool. It's, a, it's, it's made, I believe, from a high school basketball court, so it's pretty okay. neat. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely a cool table. It's probably an expensive table. It's probably like, this is probably like a... Well, like no, a, just someone made it. Uh, one, one of the press box friends of the show. Oh, uh, really? Made, made it. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 they probably make these though and sell them. Yeah, I believe it was, it was John Colson's friend. One of them uh, over there uh, made it. So yeah, very, it's, it's pretty very cool. cool. They probably make them and sell them, and they can probably sell them for like upwards of over a thousand dollars. Yeah, these are awesome. for, a t- for a table way more than a thousand. It's probably like a two or three thousand dollar table. Yeah, like, never it, know. It's really cool, and if that's something that you have the skill to do. That's a lot of money that you can make that you can make just by doing a hobby. I've been wanting to get into wood burning. Like my, my wife, <laughs> I can see you doing that. My wife wants this. Um, she wants like a crate cover that's a, like a piece of like hard wood mm-hmm. that covers Bruce's crate. I'm nervous. I I have the piece of wood right. I actually made it from an old coffee table. Okay. Uh, it's a little. It's it's the exact correct width, but the length is two inches too long. So I have to cut it, and I have a saw. Like an electric saw, yeah. but it's not like a miter saw. So I can't, like, I, I have to have a really steady hand. And I'll tell you, my friends, I do not have a steady hand when it comes to sawing <laughs> stuff. So I, I might have to have her dad do, <laughs> do the sawing for Good me. Good thing you're not a surgeon. Yeah, well, thank God, right? I'm the only one in my family <laughs> that's not a surgeon. No, nobody in my family is a surgeon, but lots of people in the medical field. But I digress. I say I digress a lot these days. Anyway... Um, but so I want to make this thing and I bought like this wood burning kit so I could burn like Bruce's name and maybe like a, a bark knight emblem on it. Wow. And I realized I've never burned wood before and I'm not going to let be my, let my first one be on my dog's like crate cover. So I got to practice, but I just, I haven't practiced, but so what do we talk about on this show again? Wood burning. We, we, we talk about we talk about wood burning, dogs, and landscaping. Wood, wood no no baseball or any sports of any kind on today's show. Today's show, however, is brought to you by your local Chick-fil-A and, um, actually, no, just your local Chick-fil-A. If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Uh, Glenn left out the S on cheese, so it just says from Chick-fil-A, Muggets to Mac and Cheese. <laughs> well, so maybe that was intentional. You never know. Ma- mac and Cheese. Um, so, yeah, Chick-fil-A. Delicious. I don't eat meat anymore for now. But when I do, first place I'm going, Chick-fil-A. Got to get me some Chick-fil-A nugs. 
Chick-fil-A Nugs. Anyway, Adley Rutschman finishes second in AL Rookie of the Year voting. He received just the one first-place vote, 18 second-place votes. Julio Rodriguez received the other 29 votes. Rutschman was actually left off the ballot by two writers. And I believe they were two Cincinnati writers who are Interesting. football writers who oh, somehow... Okay. Maybe they they maybe they saw their vote because they they still write for write in sports, but they transferred from yeah. they transitioned from writing about baseball to writing about football. Like Jeff Zrebeck, probably the number one uh, one of the number one Ravens reporters. It's like Jamison Hemsley and then Jeff Zrebeck, and Jeff Zrebeck got his start at the ball. Maybe not a start, but I remember he when he was writing about the Orioles. Yes, back in the day. Yep. So like sometimes that happens. Um, but two left Adley Rutschman. Off the ballot, which doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense considering he had a 5.3 war by baseball, B war, and a 5.2 F war, one of the highest all time, and certainly the highest by a catcher all right. time for a rookie. Um, gains a year of service time. It makes him a free agent in 2027 rather than 2028. Zach, how does that, do you think that has any kind of impact on a possible extension? No. I don't think I, it should. I, I don't. Um, I don't really have a lot of thought of that because you, you've seen what. A lot of these teams have started to do around around baseball, and, and the White Sox kind of kicked off this trend, but it's becoming more and more common uh, really across all the teams, across the National League and the American League now. But the White Sox, they, they kicked it off that they're going to buy out our arbitration years, sign up guys early, get them you know to long-term extensions. And the Orioles haven't done that yet. We haven't seen them do that with anybody, but that is, again, the trend, and I, I expect them to follow that very very soon with Adley Rushman. Yeah, I, I would expect that, too. I would expect Gunnar Henderson as well. Yeah. Um, we, we've heard rumors about something that I'm going to address at, address at the very end of See, the show. It, I'm, um, I'm just going to say this. If the Orioles let him get to that 2027 year where he becomes a free agent after that without an extension, they've done something very uh, well. It's very full. It'd be very foolish. Yeah. Uh, they're not, that, that's not going to happen. No. Um, the rumors that could be impacting that happening right now are something that I'm gonna, going to get into. Um, I texted Zach originally last night and said we weren't going to talk about it, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to use it as part of my final thoughts. Okay. Um, and we're going to get into that at the end of the show. A little, little teaser for you there. Um, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, I don't think that the extra year of service time for Adley Rutschman, um, I don't think it matters because that's not a guy that you that you let get to that point. And right. the Orioles have already made their mistakes in the past. Different regime, but same ownership um, for now um, that did this with Manny Machado. Right. Um, so I don't think that they're going to make the same mistake. And with a guy like Adley Rutschman, who you, he's going to be the starting catcher in the AL All Star Game yeah. for years to come. Um, I think we can agree that it's he and JT Realmuto and already Adley is in the same conversation as the two best catchers oh, in baseball. Easily, and it's important to note that he came in twelfth for MVP voting this year it's, as a rookie. As a rookie, so mm -hmm. and you can only see they played this, in one hundred and twenty-one games, right? And you can only see this guy really just getting better across all areas of his game. Um, I'm not sure how much the defense is really going to get better, but I'm sure it might get a little bit. And the bat, I think we haven't even seen half of what he can do. And with the bat. And, and, and I'll tell you, and, and I'm glad that you said the bat because that's what I was going to lead yeah. into. Is he was not great. He wasn't good from the right side. Yeah. That's going to change this year. Yes. Adley Rutschman's the type of player. Do you think that he's not going to fix that this offseason? Oh, season? he'll fix that. Over for sure. 900 OPS in the minor leagues from the right side. Yeah. He's going to hit. He is going to hit from the right side. I have no yeah. doubts about that. And the important thing about Adley Rutschman, you look at his ISO, I believe it was 191 this year, which is a lot lower than I think you could have expected for a guy that has that much raw power. I think he's so much, uh, he's so much tapped into his on base ability this year and just trying to get, you know, 
get singles, get on base, get walks, whatever, that the power really didn't come for him. And yeah, he hit a fair amount of home runs, but I think there's a lot more power to be tapped into. That I, ISO, I so too. That ISO is going to go from 191 to probably 220, 230 next year, maybe even higher than that. And again, that's a number that just shows you there's a lot of room for growth with Adley Rutschman. The bat is going to go, you know, from from a good bat where it is now to an excellent bat in, in, in the you know future years to, to rival what JT Romuto or, or prime Buster Posey or, or Salvador Perez or any of those guys can do. And frankly, he's going to become one of the best catchers if he's not already in the in the entire major leagues. Yeah, I don't know that he's ever going to be offensively, like with the power numbers that Salvador... Maybe Salvador not. Salvador Perez hit 48 home runs a couple of years ago. Adley Rutschman won't do that. He no. won't do that, but he'll hit 30. I don't doubt right. that he'll hit Correct. 30. Yeah. And I think he'll be a, four, a 30 to 40 double guy every yeah. year. Because he had a he had a ton of doubles this year and not a ton of... not, not I think what he had, like 34, 36, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was a fair amount. I mean, yeah, he, and, in only 121 games, yeah. uh, he, had, he had quite a bit of doubles. I expect some of those doubles to turn into home runs. Right. And so Adley's going to be... A twenty-five to thirty homer, thirty to forty double guy, every single year. You talk about him hitting from the right side. Do you think the right side struggles were attributed to the wall at all? Um, there was a ball that he hit where we thought it was his first right-handed home run, and it got caught like right in That's front of true. the wall. Um, I don't know how much it contributed. There's actually somebody figured out the stats on how many, like. 51 balls that would have been home runs in 2021 were, were not home runs in 2022. And I think that Ryan Mountcastle was a big victim. I think he had five or six taken away from him. And Trey Mancini had like four. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I, Rutschman may have had like two. Um, but it just, there were a lot of balls he, where he put the bat on and hit it hard, but right at somebody. But then there was also a lot of swing and miss from, from the right side. He still has the elite batter's eye from over there. And if you have the eye that he does, the hits are going to come. Right. Uh, I, I think it was more so getting healthy, focusing all of his attention. I think batting left-handed is something that just he's done it so much it just comes more naturally yeah. to him. And so between that and getting healthy and making sure that the health that the, that the tricep strain was back to a point where what he wasn't going to yeah. aggravate it again, um that that kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. And now okay. with a full off season being healthy and not having to worry about a lockout whether or not he's going to get to work out because he's on the 40 man, um like he was last year during the lockout so he couldn't. Um I think that this is an opportunity. No, wait, he wasn't on the forty man last year. Uh, I believe he was. No, he wasn't you know, because he wasn't? because he got to be part of minor league spring training with. Um, when they had, well, he would have had to. Because no, I, I guess he wouldn't have. Heston Kirst uh, had uh, strained his hamstring like the, the first five. week. Because yeah, because you have to be in the league. You have to be in the in the. Yeah, system I don't, I don't like think he was eligible years. for the rule five draft yet. He, so, he, he wasn't. And so he, he wasn't added. He wasn't on the forty man. Um, yeah. But we knew he was going to be added because Heston Kirstad, um hurt tore his hamstring. Diving for the ball that Adley got the inside the park home run in the first yeah. intra-squad game of spring training before uh, back, right. yeah. in the minor league spring training. So um, so he did get to work out. But they, they, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff about whether, when right. your team's going to join, when you're going to make your debut. That's already behind you. Full off season as a big leaguer, as the best catcher in the American League. Yeah. I think he's going to flourish this year. And I don't think that that's, that that's a bold claim. He's Adley no. freaking Rutschman. Um, Brandon Hyde. Finished his second in AL Manager of the Year voting. Received nine first-place votes, nine second-place votes. Terry Francona won with 17 first-place, nine second-place votes. Um, we knew the finalists well beforehand. Right? Like we, we had speculated on here that it was going to be Hyde, Scott Service out in Seattle, and Terry Francona in Cleveland. Now, Francona... So, Service, for a minute, I thought that he was going to win. But then it was like, you know, he's not going to win because Seattle missed the playoffs by game the year before, and then they got better during the offseason. Um, 
And then, so they they were expected to make the playoffs this year, and they actually got off to a slow start and had to play out of their minds for four months yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, then you look at what the Orioles and Guardians were expected to do, and the Orioles were expected to lose over 100 games again. Not only did they not lose 100 games, they won more than they lost. 83 and 79, Brandon Hyde helps that team improve by 31 wins, but then but with the lowest payroll in baseball, the second lowest payroll in baseball. Then you look at the Guardians, one of the top three or four lowest payrolls in all yeah. baseball. They were blasted in the offseason, too, for not spending money. And what do they do? They go out there with the youngest roster in all of Major League Baseball. They start stud pitching, yeah. and they win the AL Central. An AL Central that, frankly, the Tigers put looked like they were up and coming in, in 2021. The Royals looked like they yeah. were right there. The Twins made a bunch of moves to get back there. The White Sox were the, are the White Sox. It yeah. didn't look like it was going to be easy to win it. It became one of the worst divisions in baseball, and Cleveland ends up winning that division. I, I looked at not going to say I'm not happy about it, but. I, 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 <laughs> and I look at Terry Francona, and for me, it was like, look, if the Orioles made the playoffs, Brandon Hyde is probably manager of the year, yeah. right? But it was kind of on the writing was on the wall by the second week of September that the Orioles weren't going to do it, and Francona led that team to another division title when they weren't even expected to be opposed to winning record. I get it. Uh, I don't right. think Brandon Hyde was robbed. I think that he had as good a chance as anybody. Would I've liked to have seen him win? And for those of you who think I hate Brandon Hyde, <laughs> I've had a moment to cool off, right? I, like I've said on, on the show plenty of times, I'm not going to go on a huge tangent. I'm giving him another shot with with a more talented, hopefully, well, right. a, a more talented roster to prove that. Because, look, you're not going to catch Adley Rutschman a day game after a night game. I get that. Yeah, you have guys on your roster. You got to get them playing time. I just don't. Uh, hopefully. This coming season, he's more willing to do it not on the same day. And hopefully this coming season, because now they didn't have the... There's no COVID shutdown. There's no lockout, right? So there's no excuse to not have your pitcher's arms ready to go. And by June, you're allowing them to go as deep as they can into a game. So that... I'm willing to give Brandon Hyde another shot. I am willing to acknowledge that he was the guy at the helm of a team that improved by 31 wins this past season. He was as deserving as anybody else to win manager of the year. But so was Terry Francona, and his team was supposed to not only lose, uh, they were supposed to lose more than they won, and they won their division. That has to go to that guy. Well, I don't think you even mentioned it, but they are the youngest team in baseball, I did, too. I did. Yeah, yeah, I say he took a roster that was the youngest roster in baseball. Youngest roster in baseball, and that's a team that, again, I, I believe pregame, or not pregame, but preseason predictions had them around 75, 76 wins, which was pretty far off because they ended up winning 92 and you know Terry Francona has always done a really good job that guy is one of the top managers in baseball um, you know creates a really good culture uh, you know always really is a, is a team player across the board that guy is is a very very excellent manager a guy who's very well deserving I actually expected Brandon Hyde to come in third to be honest with you did you really Scott Service is a really good manager he's done a really good job with the Mariners I don't, I don't think the Mariners either are one of the most talented teams in baseball they're getting there um, they definitely have a ton of guys right now but they they took a team that I, I really don't think is one of the best in baseball roster-wise and, and won a lot of games and did really well. well. It, and and they, they should be proud of that, too. There's some parallels between them and the Orioles, right? Because oh, we, we, we look at the rosters, and, and they have guys. They have guys yeah. who are really talented. But the roster top to bottom doesn't look like one. It, it's not yeah. the Blue Jays, no. right? Um, or what the White Sox should have been this year. And by the way, I think that they're going to have a huge bounce back next year with, okay. with, with a different manager. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the offseason. Um, but it, the, the roster is good, not yeah. great. 
But when you get a group of guys together and they start winning together and yep. they believe that they can win these games and they believe that they're the best team on the field on any given night, mm-hmm. that does a lot. It's all uh, uh, sports play between the ears, my guy. They, they, they just yep. are. And so it's, it, it's that mental aspect of it. And when you believe, when you have the confidence that you can do something, it's like, when, like for example, Zach, when you told me that you shot an 89 at Geneva uh, over the summer and I was like, man, I haven't broken, I haven't broken 90 in like three months, mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't let Zach catch me yet. I can't let him do it. I gotta go out there and play my best golf. And I like, and, and I believed that I was gonna do it. I went out my next round a few days later. I shot an 82 right. at the wet right. It's confidence. It's sure, knowing that, yeah. that that the ability is in there and that you're gonna do it. Yeah. And th- there's a lot to be said for that. That's why the Orioles were so damn successful this year. Despite, they believed. Yeah. The, the, despite the fact that the offense really, really floundered, especially at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, sandwiched around some really productive summer months. Beginning of the year and end of the year, offense wasn't good. The pitching staff, not great at the beginning of the year, good for the last bit, um, but the starting pitching kind of faltered towards like in in early to mid-September, yeah. and the bullpen fell apart in September. But these, this was a team that overachieved. Right, the the roster wasn't good enough, in my opinion, to be as good as they were. But they believed that they could be, and Adley Rutschman infused that energy because he's never been on a loser. He's never been a losing ball player. Right. And I and I said it all off season before last year. You are not going to expose guys like Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman to this brand of baseball, this yeah. 110 loss brand of baseball. And sure as sure as shoot, they didn't. They didn't. They, yeah. He came up and he brought a culture of winning with him, and hopefully it's lift off from here. Well, I, I think the, the point you made was important, that you can give this team, I, I think if you ran this team through a predictive model like a thousand times, how many times would they end up at 83 wins or more? It Pro- probably wouldn't be that much. It, it's a very important thing. Like the Avengers, they, I went through 14 million scenarios. How many did we win? One. It, it, exactly. I mean, you you just don't have that much talent to be able to do what they did. So what they did, I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the show already, but it's in, it's incredible. It's frankly so unexpected. And it, what they did is is going to, to be remembered for a while because of how good they actually were for the, the talent they actually had. And again, if you ran this team through predictive models, it probably wouldn't come up as good as they did, um, you know, 99% of the time. They really overachieved. And that makes you really excited about what's to come because you add yeah. more, you add more talent over and over. And that's going to happen for the next, not only this offseason, but the next three and four offseasons. And you're going to keep adding talent to this base that you already have. These young core, um, you know, like Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, whoever else you want to throw in there, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, of course. It's only going to keep getting better, and then you supplement it with the farm talent, and it's going to be, you're only looking at at going up. Yeah, uh, and it's exciting, and it's crazy, man, because going into last year, we were like, the Orioles have all of these outfield prospects where they're middle infield prospects. Right, you know, right. Now there's a log jam there. Now there's a log jam with their middle, and I'm that's what yeah. Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline is going to be on the show, yeah. uh, at, at uh, to close things out here on the bat around today. And I'm I, I love talking one, he's one of the nicest guys in all of baseball, yeah. he's just a, a hell of a human being, but he's so knowledgeable. And it's when you hear what he had to say about Heston Kerstad and what he had to say about Jackson Holiday, we'd be remiss if we didn't have him on the show because glowing. Reviews for both of these players, uh, so I can't wait to talk to him about this Orioles infield logjam that they have. Which is, guys, the logjam it has a negative connotation, but it is a great thing to have in your organization. The best problem. It's the best problem to have where you have too many good players. 
it's it's awesome. Now the Orioles they did have to add forty uh, uh, some players to their forty man roster ahead of the Rule Five draft. Um, the the obvious names were Grayson Rodriguez, uh, Joey Ortiz, Seth Johnson. Seth Johnson's a guy who came over in that the Trey Mancini trade, correct? Yes. Yeah, he yeah. came over in the Trey Mancini trade, and he had to have he had Tommy John surgery, so he's not going to pitch this year. Um, he didn't pitch. He didn't pitch in 2022. He's not going to pitch in 2023. Maybe right. maybe towards the end. Um, but he, you're not looking at him being a factor in your organization at all until 2024. But at one point, he was the Rays' number six overall prospect, and one of the I think their number two pitching prospect. And when you're the number two pitching prospect for the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got something. Yeah. And this is a guy whose arm is expected to be something. If he's Rule Five eligible, some team was going to take him and stash him on their sixty man, uh, or, or, or their on their sixty day IL all year. So you know that this is the move that that that, that he was going to be the move. The two guys, Drew Rom, we were kind of. Do they? Don't they? He had good enough of a year. He's a lefty. Uh, they don't have many lefty arms uh, coming up as pitching. They don't have many, many pitching prospects in general, but they don't have many lefty arms coming up through the system. And I don't count Bruce Zimmerman these days. No. Um, I think he's on the outside looking in by a good bit for the for the rotation. Well, I, to, to his credit, we said that about Dean Kramer, too. Uh, you know, in, in the Dean last Kramer's got better season. stuff. Oh, he does. Absolutely. There's no question. But I, I think they're, he will get opportunities. He's going to get a shot. Yeah. He's going to get a shot in, in spring training, and you're going to see him starting some of the televised spring training games. You're sure. going to see him um, on, on a regular rotation schedule. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's going to be with the ball club. Definitely. And people are going to be like, yeah. they, they're giving him a lot of looks. Well, they're going to give a lot of guys a lot of looks. Yeah. And it's going to be a normal spring training, so you're going to see a lot of these guys and not just hear about them on backfields. Yeah. Um, Noah DeNoyer is the guy that surprised me. Um, I meant to pull up his stats, and I didn't. If you could pull up Noah DeNoyer's sure. stats, it. Zach. Um, he's a guy whose name I heard a couple times throughout the year, and I saw Chris Resitar on um, Twitter saying that he thought that Noah DeNoyer could be a guy who was – kept and I don't know much about him I think he had a decent year I think he got up to AAA so he he did not make it to AAA oh he did he was in double a though and did have a decent year I mean he went one and two in 14 games I made three starts the rest were relief appearances um and a 261 ERA there and he pitched six games in Aberdeen and had a four ERA there so not a bad year at all and that ended up being a cumulative 2.89 ERA 21 games so he actually had a pretty solid year and and so this is a guy that Maybe a team would have claimed him. Maybe they would have sent him back. Maybe it would have been a Zach Pop situation. He is 24, he, so he, that's a little old for Bowie. He, at that he, point. He, he, he's 24 years old, and look, if the Orioles were willing to add him to their 40-man, we said the same thing last year about um, Logan Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Gillespie. Uh, Gillespie? They have, a, they, have a, they, have a, they have a Gillespie and a Gillespie in their in yeah, their organization. Logan is the Gillespie, and, I and I think there's yeah. Connor who's Gillespie. Correct. Yeah. Um. So Logan Gillespie was added to the forty man um last year, right around this time, and we were like, who? And he ended up being a decent pitcher for the Orioles down the stretch yeah. at, the, at, at the big league level in September. Um. So the Orioles didn't know what they're doing, and we saw how much the, the pitching staff improved by two runs per game yeah. this year. Like uh, that's a mon- that, that's a monstrous improvement. So yeah. a guy like this. You know that they see something in him that makes them believe this is a guy who's going to help us. It's also notable that he went to the uh, the Arizona Fall League and mm-hmm. he made six appearances there uh, and had a four or five ERA. 
and that's not you know not exciting. That's, that's one a very, run every, that, that, That's a quality start. Six six innings, three sure. Runs. It's a very small sample size, but the, I think the notable thing there is that he made five starts out of the six appearances. Mm. So maybe the Orioles are trying to get him into more of a starting role, and that's why they were able to protect him. I think that's more likely. You're not going to protect a reliever as many times as you're going to protect a starter. So sure, that, that's going to be more likely what they're trying to do with him. But 24 years old, like I said, a little old for Bowie. So hopefully he comes out in AAA next year can really can really light it up and make his way to the majors midseason. I'd imagine he'd get his start at double a sure and 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 not be there very long maybe be there the first month of the year right because i don't think the orioles are going to deem 14 starts is enough right and they're going to look at him and 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 it's the same same problem that you're running into with um joey ortiz had 17 games at triple a and the bat played at double a the bat played at triple a we think his glove is big we know his glove is big league ready but he's a guy who I think that there should be an open competition for shortstop between he and Mateo. I know what Mateo brings. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jorge Mateo fan because he plays elite defense and he's got that electric speed and he's an electric player. He doesn't bunt. He doesn't hit. He doesn't get on base. You need your shortstop to do. You need If your shortstop doesn't, if he's got the blazing speed, he's not a great hitter, not a great on base guy, he needs to know how to bunt. He doesn't know how to do that. This is a guy that... Led the, he led the American League in, in stolen bases, was the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball despite the, the gold glove snub. Um, I don't think you can hand him the job. So I want him to be in a competition with Gunner, with Joey Ortiz. Uh, and ultimately, I think Mateo ends up in a utility role. And the reason I bring up Mateo is because when I talked about Joey Ortiz, and the, we're talking about Joey Ortiz in the same light as uh, Noah DeNoyer, because not a lot of experience at the level that they ended the season at, so they're probably going to end up back there. But I think that both of these guys have an opportunity, and they're both Rule 5 guys, have an opportunity to get to the big leagues. And in Ortiz's case, maybe sooner rather than later, if he proves that that bat wasn't a fluke last year. Um, So I'm excited to see what's going to happen there. I'm glad that these guys were added to the 40-man. It makes a lot of sense to me, for sure. Um, Orioles... um, They tender contracts to all their arbitration-eligible players. So you're looking at... um, uh, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Jorge Mateo, Anthony Santander, Dylan Tate, and Austin Voth. Um, and not just that, they tender contracts to all of their pre-arbitration eligible guys. So all the guys who are making league minimum. So there is not one question mark. The only qu- well, the only question mark now is which of these guys are going to accept the, the figure that they were tendered and which ones are going to fight it and are they going to have to go to arbitration? You hope not. A lot of times these things kind of figure themselves out. They end up meeting in the middle. If there is a battle, remember, not too long after this time last year, um, they were squabbling with Trey Mancini over like $750,000. or three, No, I think it was like $350,000. And um, they ended up not even having to go to arbitration with him. They ended up settling on a contract right. So with the option. So um, uh, we'll see what happens with that in the coming days, weeks, and months. Uh, real quick, before we get Stan on the line, I want to talk a little bit about a trade that, made, that was made the other day. And that was the Blue Jays trading Teoscar Hernandez to the Seattle Mariners. Toronto receives reliever Eric Swanson and pitching prospect Adam Mako. The Mariners promptly traded outfielder Kyle Lewis to the Diamondbacks for outfield and catching prospect Cooper Hummel. Toronto, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Because Teoscar Hernandez, when he's when he's going, he might be the best hitter on that team. And that well, includes Vladdy, right? And and I know that they and they got rid of Rymel. They didn't tender him a contract. They they um, reassigned uh, Rymel Tapia or exposed him to waivers, DFA'd him. He's not going to be with the ball club. George Springer's never healthy. So 
what exactly are they doing? It's because they're the leader for Brandon Nimmo. That's the word on the street from well, a lot of uh, but, but why do you want Brandon why do you want Brandon Nimmo instead of Teoscar Hernandez? And you don't have to pay Teoscar Hernandez as much as you gotta pay Brandon Nimmo. I really like Brandon. I think Brandon Nimmo is better, but that's a good point. You you're gonna have to pay him more. So that's a it's a questionable move. I think the more questionable move is the Kyle Lewis trade. I'm not sure I understand that one. You look at the numbers of the guy they got back, who he's played like six games in the majors. So that doesn't count. But you look at the, the AAA numbers, and they're good. There's no doubt about it. But Kyle Lewis was Rookie of the Year just a few years ago, and a guy who can really bring everything. He's like a Cedric Mullins, but maybe not quite as good, but he can bring everything to your team. He's a 5 tool guy. I, mm-hmm. I do not understand that trade from Seattle's perspective. And Jared uh, Kalanick, uh, I can never remember. Kalanick. Kalanick. Jared Jared Kalanick hasn't lived up to his potential. Maybe they're going to give him every opportunity this year. Uh, This would be year three for him. Maybe this is when he kind of starts to take off because he's going to get every opportunity. But even still, without that, you've got Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez in your outfield. Yeah. That's nasty. No, it's fair. And Kyle Lewis, I I really like the guy. So I... It's not against Teoscar. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. That was a great trade by Seattle to get Teoscar. Well, but they didn't have to trade Kyle Lewis. Kyle, no, Kyle right, Lewis was, was a chorus, was a corresponding trade, basically. That's what I'm saying. Um, it feels like they traded him just to trade him. Yeah. I, I don't really feel like they... And maybe they know a lot more about this guy than I do. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure they do. I, they, well, they, they not maybe. <laughs> they do. They know what they're getting in this guy that they got. But I still think Kyle Lewis is a really productive player. Yeah, I, I, I think he can be, too. Uh, he, was, he, was hurt. he was Rookie of the Year in 2020. Um, I think he was off and on injured in 2021. Wasn't that great in yeah. 2021. He didn't play a ton. In fact, I know he was injured. He didn't play a ton of games. Didn't play a ton of games this past year. If he's healthy, Kyle Lewis is. He's the one guy who we thought broke up the, the John Means no hitter. He's the guy who hit that deep fly ball that we thought was gone, and he flew out to the warning track out there in Seattle. He's he's a good player, and if he's healthy, I really thought. I tweeted before he got traded. I said this outfield with Teoscar Hernandez and. Um, Julio Rodriguez and Kyle Lewis, if he plays up to his potential, it might be the best outfield in all of baseball. It could be, yeah. and, and it still could be even with just those two guys. Yeah, he played 18 games this year; it was terrible. But yeah. that's 18 games. 18 games coming off an injury, right? So we gotta get Stan the fan on the line. Want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by uh, PressBoxOnline.com/offers, guys. Mobile betting is coming to Maryland. It's coming this coming. Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be starting on the 23rd. Pressbox is your source for the best offers and sign-up incentives. Starting now, I can't believe it went from 100 to 300 to 500 Guys, you're going to get $500 or more. $500 or more in pre-registration credit plus incentives just by going to pressboxonline.com slash offers. So go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now. Get your $500 in pre-registration bonus credits, but you have to do it now. You have to do it before betting goes live this Wednesday in order to take advantage. So again, go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now to get up to $500 or more. So not up to $500 or more in pre-registration credit. You are missing the boat if you don't jump all over this one. Sports betting is going live Mobile sports betting is going live this Wednesday. Be a part of it. Get your pre-registration credits now. Pressbox.com, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Joining us now on the program for his weekly segment, he's back with us. He is Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you? Stan, do we have you? Uh, we, we, can't, we can't hear you, Stan. Zach's going to give you a call right back. Um... And we'll try and fi- this happened last week too. Um, 
He's going to give you a call back. It's usually just a, a simple fix. So hang on just a second for Stan the Fan. Charles is going to be on with us here in just a moment. Uh, coming up in just a little bit, Ryan Ripkin's going to join us to talk about his retirement, his what he's doing post-baseball. Um, some Orioles maybe a little, a little bit of Ravens with him. And then we're going to have Jim Callis on to talk about the Orioles' prospects and who they may take in the draft this coming season. They could pick anywhere from 1 to 17 this season. So that's going to be exciting too. But right now, Stan, do we have you? I think so. Good morning. How Any are better? you? better? Yep, I can hear you loud good. and clear. How are you? Okay, good. Good, good. Um, Stan, I want to talk to you um, a little bit before anything else about this trade, because Zach and I were just talking about it, so it's fresh on our minds. This trade that the Blue Jays made, trading Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners. Toronto receives reliever Eric Swanson and pitching prospect Adam Mako. The Mariners promptly traded outfielder Kyle Lewis to the Diamondbacks for outfielder catcher Cooper Hummel. Now you have Teoscar Hernandez paired with Julio Rodriguez out in Seattle. The Blue Jays apparently are the front runner for Brandon Nimmo. You're going to have to pay him more than Teoscar Hernandez, I would imagine, this year. Um, and I feel like maybe Nimmo's overall a better player, but Teoscar Hernandez is a damn good ball player with more power. Were you surprised at this move at all from Toronto's standpoint? A um, little surprised. I, you know, it's funny, last year... I. I, I've always liked the Oscar Hernandez. Somebody in my somebody in my fantasy league got him, you know, really cheap when he first came over from Houston, mm-hmm. and he's controlled him for about four years. So I never had a chance of getting him, but I watched him a good bit last year. It looked like to me that he wasn't fully. This is a guy who was in total sinew, not an ounce of body fat. He just didn't look the same to me last year. He looked like he aged. Something something didn't seem right well, to I, me with Oscar Hernandez. I know he year. started the year with the injury, and maybe he just had a hard time coming back from that. I, he still put up really good numbers, but uh, you're right. He was, he was a different player last year than he was in 2021 when he just lit the world on fire. 2021, yeah. I, I would have told you he's the best player. He's arguably the best player that nobody talks about on that team. Um, you know, he hit two, right. slash 296, 346, 32 homers, 116 RBIs. He's still a productive the year this year, 267, 25, and 77. But you're right. Th- there was something a little bit off about him, but he was still. He was, so- he was a softer, he was a much softer player than me. So, but the bottom line is that's a team that very unbalanced lineup. You know, they needed, they need left-handed bat in a, in a big way in that lineup. And that, that makes and sense. I yeah. I didn't think about it from that. I anticipate. I anticipate there'll be serious players for Nemo and any other you know decent left-hander they can make a deal for. Yeah, uh, they're they're going to be they're going to be doing something. They certainly under they, they made it to the playoffs last year this past season, but they got swept in two games in the wild card round. They've underachieved in my opinion each of the last two years, and they definitely need some. I, I didn't even think about that aspect, Stan. That's a great point. They need some left-handed hitting in that lineup because they have a ton of yep. right-handed guys. But what do you do when you face a nasty lefty? So um, I, I I get that. Now, um, so at the same time, they set, they, so the same time, they set themselves up with a really dynamic arm in the bullpen in Swanson. Yep. You know, Seattle's got a ton of arms, uh, and now Toronto plucked one of them. And they, they paid a price for it, but I think they'll end up fine because they'll balance it out with 
a left-handed bat. Yeah. And then you look at, at it from uh, Seattle's standpoint, they have Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez patrolling their outfield now. Yeah. And, and that, to me, that the Seattle Mariners just got better. They got a whole hell of a lot better, in my opinion. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, and this is a team that made it to the playoffs and made it to the division series after winning that wild card series. I, I look at... Um, I look at Seattle, and I think they're a dangerous team, and maybe they're not at the Astros level, but they're they're coming up fast. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think they're they're coming up fast. Is a good way to put it. You know, Rodriguez uh, should only get better for the next couple of years, and uh, they've got a you know the key to that team is if Robbie Ray is going to give up home runs at the level he did this year, mm-hmm. then they made a bad they made a bad signing, but you know. But picking up Castillo was huge. Um, I think if Castillo had been picked up by the Yankees, and I know the Mariners paid a steep price for him. They gave up three really good prospects. But uh, the Yankees, you know, for a team that hasn't won a World Series since 2009 and puts as much money into payroll, sometimes you gotta you got to give something up, you know, to yeah. get something. And yeah. I think they really missed out. On Castillo, but now a starting foursome of Logan Gilbert, uh, George. What's George's name uh, out there? The, um, the pitcher for Seattle, George Kirby. Um, George, George Kirby. Kirby. That's right. Kirby. George Kirby. Kirby. Yeah, Robbie Ray and Castillo is a hell of a front. You know, front four. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they they're they're a really nice team. I don't know that much about Cooper Hummel, uh, but I, I I did look at. I looked up his numbers immediately. He's an interesting player. He's a switch hitter, uh, and he I think he catches uh, as well as can play some other positions. It so, seems like a, a uh, contact hitter who, not a lot of power, but a guy gets on base a little bit, uh, struggled in the majors over 66 games this year, only, I believe, batted 174. So he's had some struggles, but definitely a younger guy who can make it happen. Kind of like a, maybe maybe turns it around like Brandon Marsh did, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting player, and they, they had sort of run out their patience had run out with Kyle Lewis, you know, with the injuries. So yeah, I mean, he interesting, was, interesting team. Jerry Depoto is going to make moves. There's no question about it. Um, well, so it makes me uh, ask. It leads me to my next question. And with um, I know this wasn't in the notes, and I, I meant to put it in and forgot. Jim Bowden said the Orioles have have been active. Um, swimming in the deep end, he said, talking to the free to, to the representatives for the top name free agent pitchers out there. Does that give you kind of any any hope that that, that a, a, a front line starting pitcher could be coming to Baltimore here in the coming weeks, or is it just them doing their, their due diligence in your mind? I mean, define define top top end. You know, I mean, uh, and define when you ask, will a top top pitcher come here? I, I still, no matter what Jim's saying, and I know he's got a lot of, you know, credibility. Um, so I, I think they're doing their due diligence, uh, but I still don't see a Carlos Rodon or Justin Verlander coming to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah I, I think that that would be, uh, I think that would be a little difficult to imagine. Um, I look at, and the thing is. I also I look at a guy like like Justin Verlander and he was damn he, Cy Young Award winner this year unanimous right um, 
Yeah. But he's, he's 39, he's going to be 39 years old when the season starts, and he's looking for a three-year deal probably in the $120 million range from what, from what I'm hearing. Is that something that you yeah. really want to give to a pitcher that's that age? I mean, you look at Max Scherzer, same age, basically signs that big contract, and, he, and this was, he was, it was the lowest ERA of his career this season, but it was also the most injury-plagued season he's ever had. Uh, I get what Verlander's done, and it's amazing coming off Tommy John surgery, but do we really look at him and say, this is a guy that we want to sign for three years? Uh, I don't see that being in the neighborhood the Orioles are going to swim in. You know, and even though Rodon is much younger and perhaps even more dominant in some ways than Verlander and, and fits the bill of a left-hander, he's also had a, a, in, you know, a checkered injury history. Uh, and it's great that he's healthy uh, right now and has been for uh, the better part of these last two seasons. But again, I you know, pitchers are, you know, I, w- I want good ones, but I don't want to swim in that neighborhood in the $35 million range for pitchers. Yeah, I, you're, you're it's... Just, you're, you're a team with the Orioles' financial capabilities, they're never going to be successful if that's where they've got to go, you know. That, that's why I find it absolutely amazing that the Houston Astros, and I talked to Dan Duquette, and it's, that Zoom is available on PressBoxOnline.com. Ross and I had him on last Monday, the former Orioles GM. Mm-hmm. And I said, aren't you sort of ticked off at, at the, the amount of money the Astros paid Montero? Doesn't it, doesn't it reset the whole relief pitcher market? And he says, I, I'm thrilled if I'm the Orioles or the other competitive teams in the American League. I'm thrilled that they they're paying him eleven plus million dollars a year. This is a guy who had never earned. He's thirty two years old. It's not like he's twenty four, twenty five years old. They gave him thirty four and a half million dollars for three years. Um, yeah, I'm a little worried what it does to the Orioles' ability to re-sign a CNL Perez or Felix Bautista. But think about that. Those kind of arms are are not impossible to find. Those kind right. of arms are are very doable. The Orioles have proven proven that out. And, you know, a lot of teams pick up guys sort of off the scrap heap a little bit that don't make a lot of money. Hey, I think that's one of the most ridiculous contracts I've ever seen. Well, and Rafael Montero's contract, and, and and maybe it's um, uh, Crane doing that on on his own out there because he, uh, he it certainly is, you, you know, it certainly is. Yeah, because I don't think that deal was in the works beforehand. It just kind of shows you the the value of having a, a good GM who knows that maybe that's yeah. not a deal that you want to sign, you know. But yeah, it, it's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like the Jerry Jones effect. That's the kind of deal that gets a GM fired unless you're the uh, GM slash owner. You know who, who's got the, the control of the purse strings out there? Yeah. But I threw that out to Duquette, and he said, "Guy's got a negative war going into this past year." You know, yeah, a, a, a guy finds lightning in a bottle, and he, he certainly reaped the benefits yeah. for it. That's that's for damn sure. Now, yeah, I, I see him get. I see wanting to keep him, but it, there's no numbers in between two point seven five million, which he made last year. There's no other number that you could have thrown at him, you know. Right between that and what I mean, a guy like that million. would have turned would have turned down six point seven a year for three years. Uh, it just it defies belief, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 
you, you never know what what Montero would would have accepted or or declined. Uh, the the relief pitching market we've been seeing it since um, Andrew Miller got the deal in in New York. That relievers are coming at a premium now, and you just saw Edwin Diaz, who's arguably the best closer in baseball right now, signed for over twenty million dollars a year. Yeah. Maybe Montero would say, "Hey, I'm pretty close to that guy. I want fifty. I want double digits each year." The relief, the relief pitching. He can say it, but I'm just saying he wasn't out there very long as a free agent. That's true. Uh, I, I just think it's a. I just think it's a ridiculous contract. Um, the relief pitching market right now is akin to wide receivers in the NFL, which all of a sudden they've been contained the, the price for receivers for a long time. This year, when the uh, Dolphins picked up uh, Tariq Hill, it just it, it exploded. You know, now that's kind of going to be your going rate for an established receiver is going to get like you know huge, huge dollars. Yeah, and, and that's. That's just the way it's going to be. That's the trend that we kind of saw. We saw it trending in that direction for the last couple of years, so it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, for for, for the Astros' sake, hopefully it works out. For everybody else's sake, hopefully it's as bad a deal as you say it is. Um, I do want to you talk— know, you, th- you think about it. You think about the the impact of those innings those pitchers pitch, though. It, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting less and less innings out of starting pitchers, so their salaries are, unless you're the Verlander or a Rodon or— Clayton Kershaw, you're not getting the gigantic dollars. You're going to be swimming in a different marketplace now, and that's where the Orioles have to really strike is in that starting pitching market that's affordable for what they have, their resources. And and that and that's the, where I always kind of stub my toe a little bit there, Stan, is what the Orioles have, what their resources are, because they have – one guy right now that they're that they're committed to for next year, and that's John Means, who's on who's going to start the year on the IL because of the Tommy John surgery. They have, as Michael I said, payroll flexibility. They they have a low payroll, a bunch of guys that they're going to have as pre arbitration league minimum players. Uh, uh, only six guys who are being offered arbitration. They they were all tendered contracts. Paul, they're uh, not Paul. They're not going. You can keep talking about it all you want. They're not going from a forty million dollar payroll up to one hundred and twenty on one step. I, I on never the said gas, that they were on the gas I, pedal. I don't. Okay. I, I don't well, think I mean, that they I'm are. Just, I'm you're just... asking me. You're asking me about whether they're going to go in that market, and I'm telling you, I don't see them doing that. That's not. That's not. They're what not I'm in a position you. to get up. Yeah, well, that's what you have asked me, but go ahead. Right. No, what I was going to ask you is what are what do we determine to be the resources? When we see the when he says payroll flexibility, what in your mind does that look like? Because I agree that they're not going to go from forty eight million dollar payroll this year up to one hundred twenty million dollar payroll. What number do you think is realistic for them? What do you think is in their mind as this is what we want to spend this year? I don't think that this is a year that they jump in for a $30 million a year player, not yet. Right, right. I don't see that either. I think the, the payroll is going to go up. Uh, obviously, they're going to have some arbitration players that they have to pay, you know, and you want to be in a position to sign Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. So if you're not careful with what you spend this year and you go all in on those, where are you going to come up with suddenly your payroll would be in two years, it would be $140, $150 million. And I just don't see them it being willing to go that fast into that position right now because they have a plethora of minor league prospects that can come up 
and fill a lot of these positions. I see their payroll being somewhere in the 70 to $75 million range and, going into this year. And that's, that's a, to me, a realistic range where you've probably added yep. a 15 to, 15 to, at the tops, 18, maybe $20 million pitcher. And some bat yep. that that maybe isn't going to light the world on fire, but is going to have an, uh, the ability to help you out, maybe like a JD Martinez, something along those lines. And I think that that's one hundred percent realistic. I I I I had the pipe dream of Aaron Judge, but I know that's not happening. It's clear that the shortstops aren't happening, and I don't think they're going after Degrom or Rodon or Verlander. I think they're talking to them, but I think that they're going to be priced out very quickly. So I I, I agree with you, yep. Stan. I'm just yep. looking to see what okay. we can expect. Okay. Um, now okay. they've added Grayson Rodriguez, Joey, Joey, Joey Ortiz, Noah DeNoyer, Drew Rahm, and Seth Johnson to their um 40 man roster. Who's Noah De- I've never heard of Noah DeMoyer until I'd, last night when I read that. I'd only heard of him a couple of times this year. He made 14, Zach said you he made 14 starts or 14 appearances, three starts Correct. for um double A. He had six games, I think, at um. Aberdeen, his overall ERA this year was 289, yeah. and then he went out and threw six games, five starts in the Arizona Fall League and pitched to a four-and-a-half ERA. Um, okay. A guy that it looks like... Stan, when I look at this, I, I think was this a, is... Was he, a dra- was he a draft pick over the last couple of seasons? Um, I'll check that out. I, that, I just had never heard the name, Noah DeMoyer. I don't yeah. remember it from my draft list or anything. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard his name until this year. Um, and somebody had okay. posted on Twitter, a guy who who seems to be really into scouting, he had posted that he thought DeNoyer could be a dark horse guy to be protected. And he was right. This is a yeah, guy that, well, was, he's right. that, yeah. that was protected. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll when, certainly when, know a lot more about him before the next time we talk. But I, I read that name about 1 o'clock in the morning last night. I said, I've never heard that. Yeah. So Exactly. A bit interesting. So I, I see they signed him in 2019 to a minor league contract. That's where they got him from. But I, I don't. It doesn't right. say where he came from. Or I'm just on the MLB transactions page, and that's mm-hmm. where it, that's what it shows. Right. So I don't believe he was drafted. So it looks like he was just signed as a minor league free agent and uh, and started his career there. And look, when when right. the when the Orioles because they did this last year with Logan Gillespie, and when we saw his name as a guy that was pregnant, we were like, who? And it turned out that he was a guy who pitched like a 3.14 ERA for the Orioles down the stretch in September coming out of their bullpen. I trust that their evaluation I trust their evaluation evaluations of pitchers enough to think that they protected this guy because they think that his arm is an arm that can play and help them sooner rather than later. Looks like mostly a, a um a, what am I looking for? An undrafted free agent. That's the word I'm looking for. Undrafted free yeah. agent is the the move yeah. for him. He, he, he's out of uh, San Joaquin Delta College. Yeah, He's yeah. 24 years old. His minor league numbers in 2021 at Delmarva, he was 5-3 and three with a 2.87 and 59 innings, yeah. 71 strikeouts, a whip of 1.17. Opponents batted 207 against him. And then at Aberdeen, he had five games, not any starts, 12 innings, 10, and then this year, this year he was at the rookie league, and then then he got as high as Bowie this year. Made three starts. Him being six five, one fifty one, fifty one and two thirds innings, sixty nine strikeouts, a one six seven batting average. Yeah, that That's that'll play. Oh seven nine whip. Okay, so and he's we'll, six I'm five sure two twenty five. We'll know a little bit more about. Okay. 
Yeah, big, bigger guy. Sure. So yeah. we'll, we'll we'll certainly see if the Orioles were willing to protect him. To me, that means that they that they believe in his arm and think he can help help them yep. in the near future. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm not. And Seth Johnson to me is not really a big surprise either because he came over in that Mancini trade. At one point, he was number yep. two pitching prospect for the Rays, but he had Tommy John surgery. He's not going to pitch this year. I think Stan somebody would have claimed him and stashed him on their IL. I, I think that there's no doubt. No, that that question, no question about it. Right. And no then, question. I think Grayson Rodriguez, Joey Ortiz, those are the obvious guys. So the Orioles also um, tender contracts to all of their arbitration eligible players. Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Jorge Mateo, Anthony Santander, Dylan Tate. Austin Voth was uh, the one that was kind of the bubble guy, but what he did for them in those 14 games with that 2.88 ERA, you couldn't not offer uh, tender him a contract for this coming season. Um, I think that that's a guy who could help them in a multitude of roles. So, not really yeah, a surprise I, I, there. I, 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 I like Voss. I don't like him a lot. That curveball that he has is something you don't see. Yeah, he's got some elite spin rates, so that's a guy who helped them. And What I loved is that when he came over here, they were asking him, the the press and the media were asking him about his successes. He said that the Orioles analytics and development team was so, was like light years ahead of the Nationals. And that Mm -hmm. he thinks that that was the key contributor to his success this year, which makes you feel good about where the Orioles are right now with the way that they're building this club. They finally post a winning season, and their pitching is coming around, and people are saying that they're coming here from other clubs. They're in a good spot analytically. So it's um, it's certainly good to hear, and I'm, and I'm hoping that he can be helpful for the Orioles. Um, Stan, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, other awards that went out. Adley Rutschman, second in Rookie of the Year voting um, to, to Julio Rodriguez. Um, I know you're not a big sabermetrics guy, so we don't have to talk about the war too much, but uh, Fangraphs have Rodriguez and Rutschman at the same war of 5.2. Baseball Reference had Adley at 5.3 and Julio Rodriguez at 6.3. And Adley came up the the third week of May, whereas Julio Rodriguez started for the Mariners on opening day. Rodriguez was certainly deserving. Was he more deserving than Adley Rutschman was, and do you think Adley Rutschman would have had a better chance if he had started the year, if he hadn't had the injury and started the year? Yeah, I think uh, Rutschman would have been a much more serious contender for the award had he not missed the first, you know, six or seven weeks of the season, you know, yeah, or, you... or been been up at the beginning of the season. Uh, his his chances were were kind of spoiled by the fact that Rodriguez got in all that extra time and put mm-hmm. up those extra numbers. And, and Rodriguez had the showcase of the home run derby at, at the All Star game. That um, I, I think that kind of just enamored him. With I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, that's that's a nice thing to talk about. But do you really think voters that are voting for that go? Geez, he had such a great home run derby at no, the All Star game. I, I don't think. I, I don't think I don't, that. I don't, but I, I think it put the spotlight on him. I think it put him more in the spotlight and got more people talking about him than they may have been. People were talking about him. But I think he exploded on the scene after the after the home run derby because it, he was so huge in it. Um, I don't I'll, think that that's... I'll tell you who deserves. I'll tell you who deserves the award if you play play it out until the end of the World Series is Jeremy Pena. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that's a guy who just put together an unbelievable postseason mm-hmm. and a really strong regular season. You know. Yeah, so, he was he was um, uh, very good. Yeah, and Bautista, I have to be honest, Bautista was absolutely fabulous. Had he been the closer the whole year, there's a possibility he would have been a serious contender for that award. Oh, absolutely. Um, Four deserving players in Rodriguez, 
Rutschman, Bautista, and Pena. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and th- and that's without even talking about Stephen Kwan, who was the the third finalist for the award. That's a fifth guy. Yep, yep, yep. I forgot Stephen Kwan. Um, d- there there are some fans talking about um, you know, they they think that the Adley Rutschman extension could be coming now because he got that extra year of service time since he finished second. I don't think that one should have to do with the other, Stan, have anything to do with the other. Um, but do you think that him getting that extra year of service time has any impact whatsoever on a long-term extension? I feel like it was going to happen regardless. Uh, I think that I think that they will get around to that this this year. I think they want to see where, where they're at, you know, in terms of what they've spent and before they, they commit those dollars to him. But, you know, this guy, ain't, he ain't going anywhere in the – foreseeable future i agree you know i I can't project whether he's here for 12 years or 14 years but i know he's going to be here the next five or five to seven years i don't see adley richmond going anywhere i don't either now you go be close to i'll be close to 80 when that comes around so i won't really care that much Uh, hopefully he's still playing here when you're close to 90 we'll (laughs) we'll we'll see um, Brandon yeah. High finishes second to Terry Francona for manager of the year. Um, look, Terry Francona took a team that was in the bottom third of the league in payroll that was it, that was the youngest roster in all of baseball, wasn't expected to have a winning record, and he leads them to another division title and gets them to the, um, the, on the brink of the ALCS. So I think he was more than deserving for manager of the year. There are a bunch of people uh, and, and writers who think that Brandon Hyde was robbed. Are you in that boat? Do you think Brandon Hyde was robbed, or do you think the right guy won? Uh, I I thought all along Scott Service was going to win because you know Seattle hadn't been to the playoffs in in such a long time, and then they had the uh, you know the not shocking but the surprising easy victory over Toronto in those two games. I thought Service was going to win it. Francona can be a manager of the year for me every year. I, I think he's just a wonderful manager, uh, one of the top ones of our generation. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and I, I, yeah, I had uh, no issues with him with him winning because. And look, I know I've been hard on Brandon Hyde. I think he was just as deserving as anybody. But you're not going to have me take issue with a guy like Terry Francona leading that team to the AL division title. I, I, he was deserving. He deserved to win it. Yeah. Um, we get to the playoffs next year and, and win a series. Uh, Brandon Hyde will be very seriously considered. And obviously, he was this year. Yeah, you know, the fact place. that he finished second over service, uh, you know, he's on, the, he's on the radar. And I, I love the guy. I love Brandon Hyde. I think he does a terrific job. Well, and hopefully he'll, be, he'll continue to do a terrific job in 2023 yep. and get them into that postseason. Yep. Stan, uh, you have uh, Mike Bordick coming up on Monday. Is that correct? Yep, Mike Bordick on Monday, and we're trying to. We're tr- I've I've asked a old friend of mine who who used to co-host uh, some some uh, high school basketball programs I did way back in the uh, late eighties and nineties, um, and uh, his name is Tom Strickler. Uh, I want to make sure I want to run a test with him on Zoom today. You know, there's a big problem going on right now. When you mail something to AO, to an AOL account, mm-hmm. okay, AOL is has gotten so sort of their their dollars and cents that they are cutting. They've cut back on security measures for antivirus stuff mm-hmm. and stuff, so on. 
So if they pick up in an email that it's got a link in it, they don't send it through. Mm-hmm. That, that, that somebody told me that an IT person and I trust, and I'm getting emails that I send that contain a link to an AOL account are not going through. So I had to get him to create a, a, a Gmail account, mm-hmm. you know, and now I want to test it today. His name is Tom Strickler. We're trying to get him on Tuesday. He's very knowledgeable in the, in the recruiting world. Uh, and we wanted to talk to him about what Kevin Willard pulled off last week, three top, top 100 prospects for next year. So, oh, excellent. Uh, excellent. trying to do that Tuesday at seven o'clock. I will know that, uh, I don't, I don't want to fully promote it yet. Sure. Until we run this test, okay? Okay. Well, we'll sorry we'll look for, for such a long answer on that. No, that's sorry right. for such a long answer. That's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to it, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, Stan. All right. Have a great weekend. Are we talk? Are we doing a show next week? or Are we taking off? We are taking off next week. So when we'll, I say we'll, we, okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk to you in two weeks then. Enjoy the enjoy okay, the holiday. Happy guys, Thanksgiving you, to you. You guys have a great holiday season. Okay. Yeah, you too. And go Ravens. Yes, sir. Go Ravens. Yes, sir. Bye. See all right, that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by former Orioles GM Dan Duquette. And Stan also caught up with both Joe Weinberg from the Cordish Company and John Martin from the Maryland Lottery to discuss the pending start of online sports betting in Maryland, which is coming on Wednesday. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Monday for another great show with Orioles legend Mike Bordick. Today's show brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose a perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. So check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today when we come back in. His family is royalty in these parts. He is Ryan Ripken. He joins us next on The Bat Around. The weather outside is really unpleasant so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood glory days grill try the twisted ribs and wings combo it's two full pounds of meat the mac and cheese bites mr richard's meatloaf the citrus salmon the winter spinach salad and for dessert here's internet radio personality griffin bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake oh my god it's so good pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports what's up everyone this is Tyus bowser and i'm excited to tell you that i'm back with season two of the Tyus bowser show in partnership with press box and great ace memorabilia join us on tuesday nights throughout the season as i'll be heading all over town with my special guests and of course our co-hosts glenn and rita or is it rita and glenn what is it i look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life and if you happen to miss the show you can now catch a replay friday nights on 1057 the fan get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 29th at Mother's Peninsula Grill, 969 Ritchie Highway in Arnold. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. That first sip. That first bite. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today all right welcome back to the bat around the bat around is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks massive video screens and watch all the action from the best seat in the house with more money paid out than anyone around make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Joining us now, he is a first-time guest on the Bat Around. He is Ryan Ripkin, and he's live with us this morning. Good morning, Ryan. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? Doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing well. We're, we're happy to have you on the program. We had a bit of a scheduling conflict last week, so we're, I'm glad we were able to work it out for this weekend. Now, Ryan, you announced your retirement from baseball back in July, and you have been everywhere talking about sports ever since. Um, tell us a little bit about w- what prompted the retirement, what your post-baseball goals and ambitions are, and 
Are you, have you gotten that itch since the retirement to go back out there and play a little bit? Well, you know, I think it's just kind of looking at the opportunities and, and where I was in life. And, and as much as I love playing baseball, there's a lot of great opportunities. And, and you know, it's, even if you have a great career and you play until you're 40, you know, which is definitely rare nowadays. But even if you played that long, you know, you have the rest of your life also to, to explore new avenues. So, uh, you know, just for me, it, was, it just thought it was the right time. Um, definitely have an itch that 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 desire to play never goes away mm-hmm. and especially not being not playing this year and, and a lot of guys especially that were you know on this the big league Orioles team uh you know seeing them play and playing with those guys a lot it makes you wish and miss being out there and so now just kind of you know exploring the options so sports media world something I'm in, interested in and and uh you know stay tuned to see where that goes yeah, and you, you certainly, uh, I think you have a weekly segment um, on 105.7 The Fan. Isn't it like Thursdays at 2.30? You're, you're doing that on uh, yep. one, on 105.7. So I, I know you have that going on. I've been been seeing you on a lot of different podcasts. You have your two fantasy football leagues that you started on Twitter. So you're definitely out there, man, and people are you're getting yourself some exposure and people are seeing your face everywhere. So you're off to a, to a running start here. I think so. Uh, kudos to you on that. You mentioned some of these guys that you see at the big league level that you played with in the minors, and you played a little with Yasniel Diaz, if I'm not mistaken, who was the centerpiece yes. of that Manny Machado deal. No longer in the organization after just one major league baseball at bat. Just he just couldn't stay on the field, Ryan. He he the, he had the leg issues, whether it was a quad or a hamstring. Um, what can you tell us about the player that was a talent that he possesses, and it was it really just a uh, he just became a victim of circumstance because of all the injuries? Yeah, you know, obviously he was one of the guys when you played with him when he was on the field, and and when the, when the games uh, you know, had more challenges. You know, he seemed to rise to the occasion. I remember specifically in, in Bowie in 2019, we're in the playoffs and the Yankees, we're actually in the championship series and, and Severino is, is rehabbing for the Yankees for Trenton at the time. And I never saw a player more locked in. And he mm-hmm. had Severino's number. You know, I think he had two or three hits off of him. And also just in other times that season, there's just big moments late in games where, I felt like I, I never saw someone battle with two strikes and then hit a home run off a slider more than he did. So you saw the talent there, and then the problem was obviously was staying healthy, and then when you are healthy, staying you know playing consistently well. And and I think I think this year, if I'm not mistaken, he was off to a good start as well, and then the mm-hmm. injuries happened. So it's unfortunate, you know. You hope that that's something that can get behind him because um, he definitely has talent especially with his bat to make an impact and and hopefully um the injuries stay stay away maybe somewhere else he can take advantage yeah and it's a shame because he was a centerpiece of that Manny Machado deal and maybe the Orioles did themselves Mm -hmm. a disservice by waiting until Manny's final year uh, under team control to trade him um luckily Dean Kramer is looking like he's going to be something that came out of that trade but I mean do you feel that that Machado trade, given that what happened, the, the players that they got back haven't had an impact until this past season, do you feel that that maybe further put the Orioles behind the eight ball a little bit in this rebuild? I don't think so. I think it was just a very tough position in general, you know, and you can debate whether or not the Orioles should have traded Manny earlier, but also at the time, you know, the Orioles leading up to that, that tough year and, and going into this kind of, reshuffling and rebuild, you know, they were competitive. The Orioles experienced the best five-year run that they had had in 20 years. So 
to say that, you know, the, you know, the what ifs, but we will say this at the time, the deal for the guys they got back and they they were talented players. And at least at this point, if you can say that, you know, Dean, Dean Kramer last year, uh, really came on strong mm-hmm. and he had a phenomenal finish. And honestly, as we know, pitching is extremely important. So if one thing comes out of this for the Orioles, as far as if people are disappointed, if, if Dean continues on the track that he was on, then the Orioles fans can be at least satisfied that they had a really solid pitcher that, that looks to have a bright future, hopefully in Baltimore for years to come. Yeah, certainly. And if you get a quality starting pitcher out of that deal, I think that it ends up being a win for you uh, in the long run as it is. So, And I'm glad that you mentioned that, that pitching is still the name of the game. Popular phrase around here these days is liftoff. After Michael Elias' comments during the season, um, we know that what, what their priorities are going into this offseason. What is a bigger priority for you? Is it finding another legitimate top-line uh, starting pitcher, or is he finding a middle-of-the-order bat to kind of lengthen this lineup and get them to be a bit more productive because we saw them wane at the beginning of the year and then down the stretch? Yeah, you know, and I think it's going to, you know, the Orioles, the front office done a great job of determining what they value. You know, in the years past, you know, the last years it's been claiming, play, claiming players off of waivers and then seeing what happens because they have a value in those players. An mm-hmm. example is last year, or in the last two years, Jorge Matejo was claimed in 2021, obviously had a, had a very solid year with the Orioles this year. And then Austin Voss coming over from the Nationals, uh, you know, he had a very strong finish, and maybe people overlooked him, but he came and played well with the Orioles when he had his time here. So in free agency, I, you know, I, 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 the Orioles will spend money on someone if they value them highly. Mm-hmm. If not, though, they like to try to find tremendous value in players. I still think pitching is going to be the biggest component no matter what. Obviously, you're going to want to get a, a veteran presence because it is important to have leadership in the clubhouse, whether it's you know, you're a pitcher or a position player, and that would take a little bit of more pressure off of some of the young players. But the young lineup's going to get better. There's some players in the minors that are going to come up. So there's going to be a fine balance. So I would not be shocked at all if the Orioles do not go after – some high high profile bats mm-hmm. but you know again if they value them enough then they will go make the move so i think time will tell but i mean look the orioles turn around everyone can look at all the numbers the biggest stat was that the pitching's era was almost down two runs right and that just shows you the magnitude of what pitching and defense can do for your ball club Absolutely. And that, like you said, that's the name of the game. If you look at the teams that win in the playoffs, the teams that win are the teams that have the best pitching. So that's what you're really looking for. And we can name, we can say insert name here about guys who would look good in the orange and black if they were to come over to the Orioles in this offseason. Have you identified, any in your mind, any realistic fits for the Orioles that you would love to see in an Orioles uniform? Oh, well, you know, that's the thing. It's it, it depends on what they want to value. If you if you want to spend a lot, you know, and, and go after, because I know people want that big name. Mm-hmm. If you're going for a big name, like Trey Turner's versatility to me is exciting. Sure. But do I think the Orioles are going to break the bank for him? I don't. I think a veteran pr- pitcher like Chris Bassett would be an interesting acquisition. I like what he brings to the table. But again, what's the price range going to be for him? You know, realistically, everyone wants to see uh, Carlos Rodon. I think he would be a really good fit. And, and would bring a veteran presence in that, in that rotation. But I, I think by the day and the more I've, I've spoken out loud about it, I think his price is just going to be too high. Mm-hmm. So 
I think, honestly, I would love to see, I can't say of like guys specifically off, but maybe a value players. And I just saw the name pop up with Cody Bellinger, you know, yeah. and I don't know what his market value is going to be, but I could see the Orioles going for some of these players that maybe are going to be on prove it deals. And I'd love to see the Orioles come in and get some player for a, a, a good price, good deal. And then they over exceed expectations. Um, so that's kind of my goal. I think going for guys that might not be the, you know, the, the high profile ones and more of the wait and see, but could really pay off uh, as the season progresses next year. Yeah. And Cody Bellinger is a name that really intrigues me because he's not that far removed from being the, one of the best left-handed hitters in the game, but he's just, after the shoulder injury in the, in the postseason in 2020, he just kind of hasn't looked like the same guy. And I think that that's, like you said, on a, on a prove it deal, he could be really a, a fun player to have here in Baltimore. So I think we can keep, we should keep our eyes open for that. And you mentioned Trey Turner and I, I agree with you, Ryan. I don't know that they're going after the marquee shortstops in this, in this um, free agent market this year. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have a bit of a log jam in their infield in the minors and mm-hmm. in the, and at the major league level. You look at third base, Ramon Arias just won a gold glove over there. Jorge Mateo, though he wasn't a finalist for the gold glove, won the Fielding Bible Award as the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball. Uh, then you have to think about the fact that Gunnar Henderson is here, and he's likely to stay on the left side. Joey, we- uh, Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby, they're knocking loudly on the door in the minors. Uh, guys like um, Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias... What are the Orioles going to do with those with that situation? And who do you see being the Orioles starting infield on opening day next year? Well, currently, you know, this is this is going to be the interesting thing, you know, and that, that's why I was always hesitant about the marquee player because that example, if you want your young guys to see what you have and figure that out, signing a, a superstar player to come play in the infield, one, it is exciting for the fans, but two, it's showing that you're kind of closing the door on opportunities for these young guys because they're not going to get those opportunities. And like you stated, we know that Gunnar Henderson is going to be there. Jorge Mateo right now would be the starting shortstop. But again, I don't know if that's going to be the long-term option for the Orioles. Right. This year it looks like it. So I think as it would stay, I think right now you'd see Gunnar and, and Mateo. Um, I'm kind of blanking around second base right now. But what I would say with this infield, I could see the Orioles signing a veteran presence. Mm-hmm. You know that, and not, and again, that fits that fits the mold. And I know that people, we you know, uh, were critical of Odor's bat later in the year, but he brought great leadership, and he could play a a pretty solid second base. So I think the Orioles are looking for a guy like that, and and unfortunately, you know, I think uh, Ramon and and even Mateo down the road could be trade pieces, and some of these minor league guys. You know, I think that's the one thing that I think fans should look at moving forward is because of the talent that's come up so much, there's going to be odd men out. And the Orioles, instead of maybe spending in free agency, could eventually package some of these guys to go and get a maybe a high-end guy that's under contract control. So um, I wish I had more of an answer. But, you know, one thing's for certain, though, uh, Gunnar Henderson's going to be there, and he's going to be there for a very, very long time in that interview. 
Yeah, no, I I 100% agree, and it's it. Uh, nobody knows the answer, right? It's it's November uh, of 2022, and we're talking about a roster move that's going to be made at late March, early April of 2023, and so it's kind of just like a, a fun thing to try and do. And I, I think you could easily move Ramon Arias over to second base, where he didn't make a single error this year. Now, yep. not as many, ne- not nearly as many chances as at third base, but I think he's an elite defender wherever you put him, and if you have uh, really good infield defense to go along with that pitching. Like you said, the Orioles are going to be in store for another fun season this year. And we've seen some um, accolades already becoming the Orioles way. Adley Rutschman finishes second for rookie of the year behind Julio Rodriguez. And um, uh, Brandon High finishes second in, in manager of the year voting behind Terry Francona. Now, are you part of the he was robbed crowd? For either of these guys, or do you think the the Baseball Writers Association of America got the, got these ones right? Yeah, so you know, I actually tweeted out that I tweeted about this yesterday because it's definitely very sensitive. To, you know, I, do I think that Brandon Hyde should have or or could have won the award? I more should have. Like he was definitely deserving. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know the the turnaround and the history of it. But if you're going to look at somebody else, if they're going to choose somebody else, which they did in Francona. I'm 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 happy with that selection then, you know, because at least what they're doing, Frank Cota took the youngest team in baseball to a team that also had very low expectations to win the Central. I know people are going to argue it was a weaker division, but they win the Central, then you beat the Rays in the first round, and then, and then put yourself one game away from going to the ALCS. Right. So if if Brandon Hyde was not to win it, you know, I think that that was at least the right choice with. Um, with Terry Francona and uh, with Adley, I did not expect him to win it right? Uh, just because of him coming up later and Julio Rodriguez his numbers wise, statistically he played really well, but I also pointed this out on, on Twitter. It does not mean, you know, you can argue that Adley had a more, had a more significant impact on his team than Julio Rodriguez did. And right. so, and, and for, and that's, and that's really where it comes down to. I think Adley finished like 12th in MVP voting. So, you know, there's, you can see that. And I will say for this, you know, the accolades are great. You know, you really wish that it's great for the players and the managers, the coaches to get recognized because it is important to, to see people recognize your achievements. But at the end of the day, what, what players really want is to be able to have long careers and be able to compete for championships. And, yeah. you know, for coaches, Buck Showalter is a prime example. He's an unbelievable manager. He's won four uh, manager of the years, I believe, yeah. but I guarantee you he would trade away every single one for for one World Series title. So Absolutely, as, as great as great as the accolades are, uh, the Orioles should be Orioles fans should be even more excited that Brandon Hyde and Adley Rutschman have have continued to help make the Orioles. Uh, better and are moving them in the right direction. Yeah, and look the 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 accolades, like you said, they're fantastic. They aren't World Series championships, and that's ultimately what you should be playing this game for. I'm I'm with you there, Ryan. Uh, a couple more questions here. We've got Ryan Ripkin uh, joining us here on the batter out on a chilly but nice Saturday morning. A um, couple questions to close things out here with you. Um, Aaron Judge beats out Shohei Otani. Goldschmidt um, beats out Manny Machado for AL and NL MVP. Uh, Judge and Otani. It's it, you you could you could argue it for hours. Was Judge the correct choice? 
for me it was but i know this is honestly i feel like you're talking about hours i think people could debate this for for weeks or yeah. months it feels like i feel, honestly i feel like the debate for judge otani has been going on since the all-star break right you know and and so look you could make the case every single year that otani wins because he he does something that no one else can provide he can provide elite level production at the plate and elite level production at pitching and even if he didn't do that he's the only player that does both now having said that i think it's specifically because of the year Aaron Judge had. Offensively, we just saw a player have one of the best years uh, in the history of Major League Baseball. And yeah. Regardless of how you feel about the steroid era or not, that's irrelevant in, in this case because it's still one of the greatest seasons. But if you do not want to count anything with the steroid era, then you're looking at a player that became the first player in either league to hit over 60 home runs since 1961 and mm-hmm. also he was up until the last couple of days chasing a triple crown which was absolutely great and, and fantastic for the sport and on top of it you know if you take Aaron Judge out of the lineup out of the Yankee off the Yankees team that's a completely different looking roster and feel in New York so I think for the year Aaron Judge usually any other year you would say it's Otani but but Aaron Judge definitely was was just as deserving of the MVP this year. Yeah, no, I, I we had Paul Moncano on the show uh, back during I think towards the end of the regular season, and he said it best to me. Last year, Otani was the story in Major League Baseball. He deserved the MVP. This year, Aaron Judge was the story in Major League Baseball. He deserved the MVP. Now the Nash mm-hmm. the National League. Paul Goldschmidt, he beat out Manny Machado, one of the older um, MVP winner, winners. I think he was the oldest first-time MVP winner at 35 years old. You can make the argument that Manny Machado was more valuable to his team when you look at the fact that Tatis wasn't there and all the and all the the clouds around Tatis, and then they had to bring in these guys who kind of underperformed after the trade deadline. They still made the playoffs. Machado playing on that on that badly injured ankle, still putting up MVP numbers. I love Paul Goldschmidt. I feel like he's been deserving of an MVP multiple times in his career. But I also love Manny Machado. For me, I, I thought Manny was more deserving. Where Where do you fall on that? You know, I, b- both great players. Mm-hmm. You know, and further, I think Paul Goldschmidt's been underrated for his entire career. Yep. And to see him get that recognition, because he honestly is one of the best pure hitters in all of baseball. I mean, he, he is he is unbelievable. And, and Machado, I felt. Uh, he got a lot of hate going to San Diego in some of the years, and, and maybe even people would go as far as to say he was overrated. I don't know who would, those people would actually believe that. But, right. you know, he, he's the opposite. He is, he is so valuable, and you're right. You know, and it's tough. I, I think that, that Goldschmidt was a, was a good choice here. Manny was definitely deserving, especially with all that turnover and, and um, or I should say drama with the Padres this year. He showed great leadership. And without him on the Padres, there's no way that they uh, make the run that they did. Right. So it definitely, you definitely could see why Manny could win it. But I'll tell you what, I, I think Manny is going to continue to play at a high rate, and I, and so will Goldsmith. But I won't be surprised if if Manny Machado gets a chance to win a uh, MVP in the next few years. Yeah, he's he's one hell of a player, and I I think we can all say we miss him here in Baltimore. Uh, a couple quick questions before we let you go. Uh, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> oh man, uh, that is that that's that's a 
I, I honestly, I, I, I get more indifferent. I think about it by the, by the circumstance, you know, cause mm-hmm. there's, all, there's the argument in between. Um, I will say this the hall of fame definitely needs to figure out what they want to do when it comes to the steroid era. And then anyone else that's not involved in the steroid era. Um, you know, Pete Rose, is this exception where he's such a tremendous or, or was a such a tremendous player. Um, and you wonder at some point if they will, I think eventually at some point he will get in. I just deep down, I think he will. Um, but there's a lot of issues that still need to be addressed before, you know, the, the hall of fame and MLB, uh, you know, allow more, more players in. I think honestly, the, the questions are going to rise more if now in the steroid era, if some of these players now get, get in, if those players get in, I believe that, that Pete should be deserving as well. I, I think for Pete, unfortunately, and I don't know about the quality of human being he is, but I know about the quality of baseball player he was. For him, it's probably going to be, uh, he's probably going to have to be posthumously put in. Um, I, I think that's the only mm-hmm. way that he gets in. Um, and you, you kind of started to go into my next question. Bonds, Clemens, Palmero, should they be in? You know, and, and that's going to be the interpretation of, of how people view the steroid era, you know, and because well, let's just face it, you know, as much as we can say, I mean, steroids did play a significant part in the game, but they also do significantly help players out, you know, and that's the thing is you don't know where the line draws. And I, I can't, you know, the example I use is Barry Bonds where, you could tell where his numbers drastically changed, mm-hmm. but still at the pace that he was at, he was going to be a Hall of Fame type of player. Right. You know, so that's that's the reality. Would he have hit over 700 home runs and been the home run leader? You know, home run king? Probably not. And so th- I think that's where it is. So it's going to be an integrity part. But again, it goes back to the question of, do does MLB acknowledge that the steroid era, that was a part of baseball? And and so far that is it's been the case where it's been denied. So. Um, until they make a decision on that, you know, I, I, I don't, until they, if they rule in favor of it, then they will be in But if not, then, then those guys, unfortunately for them will, will have to be out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way it's looking for now anyway. And then finally, you're a big football fan and you've been pretty outspoken about your football fandom. Should the Ravens extend Lamar Jackson and are they currently the best team in football? I mean, uh, of course they should extend Lamar Jackson. Everyone wants to see him in the purple and black for future years. It's a tricky business, though. All sports, still, it's still a business, and you're trying to do the in, in what's best interest for, uh, you know, the organization. So it's tough. Uh, for the Ravens right now, you know, I, I can't say that they're going to be they're the best team in the NFL. That's not fair to the other teams, but I will say this. And, and they're one of the teams in the NFL that, that I would say the majority do not want to play. Yeah, and I think that that's a great quality to have as you move towards the postseason. Like another team to me is the Titans. Mm-hmm. The Titans are a brand of football. They get criticized a lot. It's not going to work. But I tell you what, not a lot of people want to play the Titans as it gets more into crunch time. And I think the Ravens have the quality, and they definitely have the roster to make a Super Bowl run. Yeah, and they have they have the schedule laid out in front of them to maybe do it as a pretty high seed in the postseason too. So, Ryan. Great talking with you, man. Thank you so much for making some time for us to come on the show this morning. What do you got coming up? Anything that we can plug for you before we let you go? Uh, not too much. Just keep checking with social media for me. I'm just at Ryan Ripkin on Twitter and Instagram. Continue to be more active and posting about some, uh, some new uh, things that I'm being involved with. So stay tuned on that. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I hope you have a great Saturday. All right, you too, man. Have a great Thanksgiving, a great holiday season. Hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon down the line. 
Thank you. You guys, too. Be safe over the holidays. You, too. All right. See you, Ryan. And that was Ryan Ripkin joining us here on the Bataround. Ryan's segment was brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of foods. Get the details and reserve yours today at GinsuGrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. Come get a sample of the cooking from the Ginsu Kamado Grill tomorrow and before every Ravens home game this season at the Game Day Firehouse located at the Firefighters Union Hall just west of the stadium at 1202 Ridgely Street. You can stop by, try some food, and enter to win a Ginsu Kamado Ceramic Grill and $500 worth of grilling meats. When we come back in, we're going to have a little bit of time to talk about some things. It's not really Orioles banter, but we're going to banter about some baseball stuff uh, before we get Jim Callis on the line. That and more next on The Bataround. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials, we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410 887 5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11 Fort Fendel. Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code TAILGATE. That's ginsugrills.com. Reserve yours today. UMBC basketball is back at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena, and tickets are available now at umbcretrievers.com. Don't miss any of the great early season matchups as the men take on local rivals Coppin State on November 30th and Morgan State on December 10th, while the women square off with American on December 18th. Experience the excitement of game day at the peak by getting your tickets right now to come see the Retrievers at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. Lock yours in at umbcretrievers.com. And we are back live on the bat around today. Zach and I were just talking about um, online mobile betting. We and were. We were. Online sports betting will be starting in Maryland this Wednesday. It feels like it's taking forever, but it is finally here. Pressbox is your source for the best offers and sign up incentives. Starting now, you can get $500 or more in pre registration credit plus other incentives by going to pressboxonline.com slash offers. Just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now to get your $500 in pre registration bonus credits. You are not mishearing me. $500. When we did the read two weeks ago, it was 100 When we did the read last <laughs> week, it was 300 Yeah. This week, it's 500 But you got to do it now. Because once betting goes live on Wednesday, you can't. So go now to pressboxonline.com slash offers and get your pre-registration bonus credits $500 or more. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. That was a well-done live read right there. Well done. Thank you. So Thank you. it was eloquently done. Thank you. You're you're eloquently done. Oh wow, that's <laughs> that's an interesting comment. All right, so the um, I want to transition. I want I want to get into this MVP talk a little bit. Okay, because I had a guy a month ago. I was playing. I was substituting on a on a baseball team. My team uh, was supposed to have a game that morning, and the other team forfeited. They didn't have enough guys. I, honestly, they just saw me in my tight jersey. And were like, we don't want to face that guy. Yeah, we, we we're, we're forfeiting. No, uh, just didn't have enough guys. They forfeited. I ended up playing for another team um, that day because I just wanted to play baseball, and. Uh, a guy got into a shouting match with me. And when I say shouting match, <laughs> I was making my point, and he was yelling to make his point. Um, and, I, and I eventually said to him, I was like, you can yell all you want. Being louder doesn't mean that you're right. <laughs> and he was arguing that Shohei Otani should be the MVP this year. And I was arguing Aaron Judge should be the MVP this year. He had historically one of the greatest seasons in the history of baseball. Yeah. Um, he set a new American League mark for home runs. Okay. I get that what Shohei Otani does is amazing. He did it last year. And offensively, last year, he was better. And this year, pitching-wise, he was better. Maybe next year, he hits 50 home runs and wins 20 games with a 182 ERA. Maybe he wins um, Cy Young and MVP. My whole point was Aaron Judge did something that hasn't been done ever. Right. He broke a a 61-year-old record for home runs in the American League. And the major league record for home runs in the season is 73. 
It's always going to be 73. Yeah. Barry Bonds did that. Even if your argument is steroids, the pitchers were on steroids too. Correct. Okay? And Barry Bonds could hit 45 home runs in a season anyway. Now, look. If Barry Bonds just went out and took steroids and picked up a baseball bat, he wouldn't be able to hit 73 home runs in a year. He wouldn't be able to hit one. Yeah. You have to have the hand-eye coordination to hit the ball. Right? You, you're not just going to say... You're not just going to go from a 180 hitter to a 290 hitter no. because you took steroids. That's not how it works. Steroids helps the body heal quicker until it ends up eventually deteriorating your body, but it helps your body heal quicker, and it makes you stronger. So Barry Bonds, there, there are a number of guys who could take steroids and not really see their home runs improve because a 420-foot home run is now a 430-foot home run. Yeah, you build muscle really quick with them, and mm-hmm. they certainly have an effect. I mean, we saw who that you throughout the entire no, I'm 90s. Just Paul Valley, huge steroid supporter. Huge user. Yeah. No. Um, but, but yeah, so for me, the all-time home run record is 73. Unquestionably, it, it, it is. In a season. It, it counted then. It wasn't illegal then. Right. And it's, it is what it is. But Aaron Judge set the American League home run record. He broke a 61-year-old record and almost won a triple crown. Historically, one of the, probably like a top five season of all time, if I'm correct. He deserved the MVP. Shohei Otani is going to win a number of MV- a number of MVPs likely in his career, but let's also not forget about the fact that you're probably not going to see too many guys accomplish the feat where they win like four MVPs in a row like Barry Bonds did, yeah. because people get bored. Like let's be let's be real about this. People get bored with the idea of the same guy consistently winning. Mike Trout was the best player in baseball for 10 years. And, and honestly, he finished second in the American League yeah. with 40 home runs this year, and he missed like two months of the season. He, he did, yeah. He's still yeah. the best player in the game. But he he's getting older, and his body's kind of yeah. giving out on him a little bit. I, I can attest to that myself, you know? Um, so for me, Otani's a deserving MVP award winner, but Judge was a clear-cut MVP yeah. to me this year. Now, if they do it again next year, maybe it's Otani. If, if Judge goes out and hits 300 with 57 home runs and Otani hits 280 with 40 home runs but also pitches 180 innings, wins 17 games, and has a 220 ERA, I'd probably say Otani's the MVP. It's just Judge doing something that's never been done before yeah. puts him over the top for me. The National League, I've always been a big uh, Paul Goldschmidt fan, and I agree with Ryan Ripken. He is arguably the most underrated player of his generation. The numbers that he put up out in Arizona, nobody talked about him. He was a gold-glove first baseman who hit 300 with 30 homers and stole 20 bases every year. He was a hell of a player. Goes to St. Louis, still good, not the player that he was until this year. And this year he was absolutely phenomenal. He had well over 300, over 30 homers, over 100 RBI, scored over 100 runs. Absolutely phenomenal season. He had Nolan Arenado on his team. And he had Tyler O'Neill. And even though Tyler O'Neill was terrible this year, he was a six-win player last year, and right. more a uh, higher WAR than Bryce Harper, and Bryce Harper won MVP. So you still have to worry about him. And he came on at the end of the year; it's still a dangerous hitter. You know what's in there. He had protection. Manny did this on a team where he was the guy. Eric Hosmer is not providing that that kind of protection. Yeah. Fernando Tatis wasn't there all year. Um, Will Myers isn't that guy. It was legitimately Manny Machado, and then a, a cast of characters. Until they got Soto and Bell and Drury. and But those guys all underperformed once they got there. To me, Manny Machado was more valuable to his team mm-hmm. and put up MVP numbers. He should have been the MVP, in my opinion. And the, and it wasn't uh, like 
Goldschmidt ran away with it. Yeah, he did. He ran away with it. But to me, Manny Machado should have been the MVP. I'm with you. I, you know, I, I look at the defensive value as a big part of it too, and I think mm-hmm. that gets left out sometimes. And Goldschmidt's a good first baseman, a good defender, no doubt. But the value that Manny brings at third base is far more than the value that Goldschmidt brings at first base defensively, and that's mm-hmm. just the truth. That's there is no question to that. And when you combine the bats, yeah, maybe Goldschmidt had a little bit of a better offensive year. I mean, he was unreal for the for the greater part of the year. If you combine defense and offense, I'm picking Manny Machado, and that's not really an Orioles bias. I just again, I think the defensive factor of it is left out often because you know you give out gold gloves you give out other awards for defense but you you leave it out in mvp a lot and you know manny machado is a guy who just brings a lot to the game every aspect he's excellent in across the board and you know he deserves one at some point so hopefully he gets one as far as the aaron judge otani debate they both had incredible years and i've said before we've had heated discussions about who the more talented player is overall i mean you've said if aaron judge had learned to pitch at a, at a young age he could have you know he could have had success in the major leagues given his physical abilities and mm-hmm. that that could certainly be true uh I, I don't think you can discredit at all what shohei otani did this year is incredible across the board i do have to agree with you aaron judge is the slight mvp for me here just just gets the slight edge for me just because like you said i mean he, he did something that hadn't been done in 61 years um on a team that really he didn't have a lot of protection for half Mm-mm. the year because they were injured so often uh so aaron judge did things that were really unprecedented and he deserves ever I, I think that accolade because of uh, of just what he was able to accomplish you, you look at how bad the yankees were in july and august right this this year yeah. they were they were one of the worst teams in baseball in July and yeah. August. Aaron Judge was the best player in baseball the second half of the season. He was. His, his his slash line, his power numbers, the second his power numbers are always going to be there. Yeah. But the second half of the season, he went off like a like a freaking yeah, firework. His ISO this year was like three seventy five, like Which, just it, unreal. He was without Aaron Judge. I don't know that the Yankees turn it around. I don't it, think they would have in the second half of the season. Now they got off to such a hot start. That they may have been a playoff team regardless. Yeah. But without Aaron Judge, you have and and the thing is, I looked at Aaron Judge and he had like a, a ten point nine WAR, something like that, mm-hmm. something something crazy. Oh yeah, and it's unreal. You take away Aaron Judge and the Yankees still make the playoffs. Um, but it, you you take away the the ten wins, the the eleven wins, and the Yankees are still a playoff team. Yeah. But yes, I don't think that they are. I I don't think that they are because. Judge be, not being in that lineup affects everybody else around yeah. them, and that swoon that they had in the summer months, uh, the second half of the year, I don't know that they that they are able to pull themselves out of it. So for me, it's it's Aaron Judge is to me he it, I'm not gonna say run away because Shohei Otani, given what he can do, you can't argue that he's not the best player in the league right now. Yeah. Given what what he can do on, on the mound and at the plate, but Aaron Judge is whew, he's so good. He's so good. He sure is. Um, we got to get Jim Callis on the line. Zach's... I've, I've got two numbers for him because apparently he had us call him at different numbers at some point. So if you could send me the one he wants to be called at today, that would be perfect because I have the two. So, Sure. Um, let me uh, let me get that sent over to you while Zach no is... No problem. While Zach is getting Jim Callis on the line, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio. It is the definitive place to find your best daily discussion for Baltimore sports, that being Glenn Clark Radio. So uh, you can watch the show every day, um, every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or 
You can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I say it every week, guys. You have no reason to not tune in to Glenn Clark Radio. You can get it every freaking where. You never know who's going to pop up on GCO. This week, the guys caught up with former Ravens Jacoby Jones and Vontae Leach, Fox Sports analyst Brian Baldinger, and WWE star AJ Top Dollar Francis. Find those interviews and this week's Tyus Bowser show with special guest Calais Campbell in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now on the bat around from MLB Pipeline. He is Jim Callis, and he's live on the bat around. Jim, it's Paul, it's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Oh, yeah, no problem. Hope you guys are doing well. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Now, Jim, the last time we spoke, we were talking about who the Orioles might take first overall in the Major League Draft. They ended up going with Jackson Holiday, and you had some high praise for the kid the other week with regards to Gunnar Henderson comparisons and when he might debut. Um... What have you seen from Jackson Holiday, and did they get the pick right 1-1? Yeah, I mean, look, it's early, and we won't know for sure if they got the pick right. But, you know, if, they, if they'd gone Drew Jones, I think you, you could have made a case for Drew Jones, too. But I, I do think with Jackson Holiday, what's exciting about him is I think he had the best combination of hitting ability and all-around tools in the draft. You know, you can argue – you know, say Drew Jones had a higher ceiling, but I think Jackson Holiday is a better bet to hit. You know, not that Drew isn't, but I just think Jackson's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a well above average hitter when all is said and done. And, you know, really impressed, you know, great small sample size, debut stats don't mean a ton. But the one stat I always look at for hitters in their, in their pro debut is strikeout to walk ratio. And Jackson Holiday walked twice as much as he struck out. And even after he left the Florida Complex League and he went to low A, he continued to walk more than he struck out. I, I just think, you know, I, I know I said, I think when I was talking to Masson a week or so ago, I, I just, I would be shocked if Jackson Holiday is not a superstar because I just think he's got all-around tools. He can really, really hit. He, the thing I think was maybe the most exciting thing about him this spring is, you know, I, I, I've been covering the draft and prospects for, I guess, 33, 34 years now. I'm getting old. <laughs> and, you know, like, again, I mean, our grade, I mean, we put grades on players and we try to, you know, and it's based on talking to scouts. It's not just eyes, eyeballing the players. And Jackson Holiday is one of the few draft players I can remember where we upped his grade in every category. I mean, he was a better hitter. He was stronger. He had more power. He was quicker. He was faster. The arm looked better. He looked better at shortstop. I mean, you know, you go back to last summer, after last summer, and I think he like a lot of guys, he tried to do a little too much on the showcase circuit. You know, he was probably came into the year as more of a second round pick than a first round pick. You know, nothing wrong with that, but you know, you know, talented guy, but you know, he chased some pitches. You weren't sure he was going to stay at shortstop, and now, I mean, he looks like an advanced hitter who's going to hit for a lot of power and stay at shortstop. And you know, vis-a-vis Gunnar Henderson, who you know arguably is as good as any prospect in the minors right now, or anybody who still qualifies as prospect, because you know he's obviously up in Baltimore at the end of the year. I'm not saying he's he's definitely going to be better than Gunner, but if you compare him at the same stage, and I loved Gunner, we had Gunner as a first round talent coming out of high school. He's better than Gunner was at the same stage. So if he develops anywhere like Gunner did, <laughs> it's even more exciting. And, and the big, and I think the again getting back to the plate discipline, you know, Gunner that was something that kind of kicked in for Gunner this year. You know, when Gunner was in Double A in 21. You know, he was really young, and he got exposed a little bit, and then he made huge strides with his plate discipline, and I think Jackson Holiday's already got it. And I think, 
you know, again, it seems crazy. You know, the gunner might be the best prospect in the minor leagues right now. But, yeah, I do think Jackson Holiday has a higher ceiling and probably a little bit better chance to play at shortstop than, than Gunner does. And, and I love Gunner. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that, you know, I mean, when we look back, you know, the Orioles might have had the best prospect in baseball one time, two guys from the same draft in Adley Rutschman and Gunner Henderson, and they might have two guys in the system at the same time who went on to be number one prospects. Not just Adeline Gunner, but but Gunner and Jackson Holiday too. And, and then you throw in Grayson Rodriguez to be the best pitching prospect in baseball. It gets pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty bright future, it would seem, for the Orioles for sure. And um, it sounded like so when Jackson Holiday got drafted, they asked him what he thought his timeline was, and he said he thinks he can be in Baltimore in two years. And I think you said something along the lines of you would not be surprised to see him in the major leagues in t- as early as 2024. Is that a realistic thing for Jackson Holiday? And I know he hasn't even gotten a full year of pro ball under his belt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think realistically, if, if, if I was, uh, if we were setting a betting line, the over-under would probably be 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think he could get up in, in 2024. I mean, it would be, I think, more towards the end of the season. I mean, he, he'll only be 20. He, doesn't, he won't turn 21 until December of 2024. Right. But I, I, what, I, what I will say is when you have these special players like a Jackson Holiday, they often get there quicker than you might expect. Like you can, you can set a realistic timetable and say, okay, I'm going to pencil him when he's 21 in 2025. And you're, you know, again, I'm not going to say he's as good as these guys, but, you know, you're Bryce Harper's, you're Mike Trout's, you're, you're elite players, you know, basically write their own timetable. Um, and, and it wouldn't shock me at all if, you know, he comes out next year. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he finished next year in double A. Uh, you know, again, I mean, that's getting ahead of ourselves and he'll only be 19 next year. But I, I just think he's so advanced as a hitter i i'm really looking forward to see what he does next year yeah we're, we're all going to be keeping our eyes on jackson holiday uh next year and years to come uh hessen kerstad number two overall pick for the orioles in 2020 deals with myocarditis it's almost two years um between when he gets drafted and actually i think it was a little more than two years from when he gets drafted to when he makes his pro debut you look at that he comes out in spring training this past year and Tears his hamstring early on in spring training, misses 8 to 12 weeks. Goes to the Arizona Fall League. He becomes a fall star, a home run derby finalist, and wins the league MVP award. But that strikeout rate still up over 30%. What did he show you in the Arizona Fall League and in his first pro season? Um, and what kind of player do you think he could turn into? Yeah, you know, in terms of his debut, you know, I, I mean, it was just good to see him back playing again. And, you know, he tore up low A. He struggled some in high A. I think he might have been a little gassed at the end of the year because he really hadn't played a lot of baseball in two years because of the myocarditis and then the hamstring. Um, so I didn't read too much into his debut. And then, okay, you know, it looks like the power's back. But I, I got to see him in the fall league. I, I was there for the first week of the fall league, and I was there for the last week of the fall league. And literally the first day I was there, I saw him hit like a 400, I think it was 24-foot home run over the right field lounge at Scottsdale Stadium. And he basically hit the whole time he was there, and he was MVP. And I mean, he looked like the guy I saw at Arkansas. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's going to be power over hit. I think he's going to hit enough, but I mean, it's big left-handed power. I thought it was the best college left-handed power in that draft, you know, the 2020 draft. And he looked like the guy that I saw at Arkansas, which was good news. And, you know, I, I, I will say too, what was really encouraging, you know, the, the, the one blemish, if you're looking at his stats was he had a 31 to five strikeout to walk ratio, which is, 
you know, and then the pitching is not really great in the fall league either. Uh, but, you know, talking to scouts about it, they weren't too concerned about it because it wasn't like he had a bad swing and it wasn't like he couldn't recognize pitches. He just needs to, I think, refine his approach a little bit. But I, but I talked to him about this and scouts thought, and he said, yeah, it is what he does is he will go up to the plate and look for a specific pitch in a specific zone, you know, early and at bats. And he's not afraid to hit with two strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, it, it, you know, he just, I think he's going to have to tweak that, especially as he faces more advanced pitchers, because if they know, like, okay, maybe we think he's sitting fastball in here. Well, we'll throw him a breaking ball over the plate, and he's going to take it and strike one. You know, like, like I, I just think, you know, they're talking to scouts, they were not alarmed. They just said, look, he's just going to need to refine the approach. And it's not a bad approach. It's just, it, it, you know, he, he's almost too focused, like, and he can get himself behind in counts. Um, but, but they thought that was adjustable. And, and just talking to him, too, like, I mean, I, I talked to him a little bit when he was in Arkansas, but, like, you know, for whatever you you want to put down for makeup, you know, how much it matters. Like, he, he's got good makeup, and it was interesting because I asked him, you know, I wound up talking to him probably three or four times, and we did a 20-minute interview with him for our, our podcast last week. And I asked him uh, on, on the first day of the season, you know, about expectations. Because, I mean, as you guys know, I mean, you guys cover the Orioles. You know, he wasn't he, – he was, he was thought to go more, like, in the 6 to 10 range, and he mm-hmm. went second to so the Orioles to move money around the draft. And a lot of people were shocked – you know, I think a lot of people expected Austin Martin was going to go number two, and he's in Vanderbilt, and, and he's kind of gone backward. But anyway, you know, like so, there was a lot of I think, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, dismay might be strong, but people are like, you know, well, what are we doing? Why, why, why do we take this guy at number two? And I just asked him about, you know, the expectations and the pressures, and then you don't get to play for two years, and you know, like how much does any of that weigh on him? And he said, you know, he didn't blink and he said, it doesn't weigh on me at all because nobody has higher expectations than me than me, you know, as, right. you know, as good or as people expect me to be or want me to be, or think I should be because I'm the number two pick. Like nobody thinks I, you know, I want to be better than that. And then I, you know, expect to be better than that. And I'm telling you, if you guys ever interview him, like the makeup's there too. So he, I, I'd be very encouraged by Heston Kerstad. And like I said, that 31 to five strikeout to walk ratio, I would not, it's not as alarming as it might be out of context. Scouts just said, look, you're just going to have to refine that a little bit. And, you know, maybe, you know, cause it's more a case of falling behind an account than he's chasing pitches or he can't hit the curveball or geez, the swings flawed. It is just an approach. He'll still be a power over hit guy, but I think, I mean, it could be a 30 plus home run guy. He, he looked really, really good. Yeah. You mentioned that, and it makes me think of Kyle Stowers. And Kyle Stowers has the high strikeout totals, and he's he's that guy who he kind of in the minor leagues he was like a two sixty two seventy hitter with a lot of power and a lot of strikeouts. He also had that ability to get on base. Do you see Kyle Stowers being that similar kind of player in the major leagues, or do you think that there's kind of too much of the swing and miss for him to be a product a productive big league player? Um, you know, I think it's early to tell. I mean, he's going to have to address that. I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think his power ceiling, I mean, he had a huge year in, in 2021 and he had a you know solid year in AAA this year. I, I don't think his power ceilings as high as, as curse stats. I mean, sure. if we're thinking like, like I, I could see Stowers, uh, a reasonable expectation might be 20 home runs mm-hmm. and a reasonable expectation or, you know, I'd say reasonable hope for a curse dad might be 30 home runs. So, you're going to put up with, with you know, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think Kersad can get away with more swing and miss than Kyle Stowers can. Because I, I don't, I mean, I think Kyle, 
Kyle to me projects more like I think realistic ceiling is he's an everyday player. Mm-hmm. I think you know Kerstad's really you know has has a chance to be an all star um, or at least an everyday player on, on a good team. You know, on, you know with Stowers, he's kind of for me, and, and like I don't mean this as a knock, and, and people listening to go, oh, he's killing him, and I'm not because okay, it's like it's, it's difficult to be a good big leaguer. I, I think to me Stowers' ceiling is somewhere between you know fourth outfielder, everyday player. You know, maybe the, this is a ceiling, the, the realistic ceiling would be everyday player on a contender. And I think that's more kind of what you're hoping Kerstad's floor is, is that he's an everyday player on a contender. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, getting back to Stowers, you know, he is going to have to, you know, address the strikeouts and, and walk ratio. You know, he got taken the minors, he struck out. You know, he, he did cut it down in AAA this year. And he struck out at about a 30% clip in the big leagues. But it was also his first exposure to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he put up decent numbers overall. So I wouldn't read too much into it. I just, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see you know, what happens with him. But uh, you know, he, he has a chance to be, I think, a, a good complementary starting outfielder on a contending Orioles team. Whereas I could see Kerstad, you know, maybe batting. I don't know how they're going to line up the batting order, but you know maybe it's a, like Adley bats third and Gunnar Henderson bats fourth and Kyle Stowers bat. I mean, uh, Kerstad bats fifth. You know when they're all, when they're all ready. Yeah, no, I, and I guess I, we'll put Colton Kowser up ahead of those guys or something, and you know, and then one of the first two spots. So. Yeah, Colton Kowser is is a one is a guy who really intrigues me. He got off to a slow start this year, but really took off once he got up to Double A and then Triple A. Well, well, in Triple A, he kind of he faltered, but he started to come on towards the end of the year. I don't expect him to start the year on the Orioles roster, but I expect him to get here at some point in 2023. Uh, what kind of uh, impact do you think Colton Kowser can have on the big league club in 2023? Yeah, and I, I think that's realistic. I think, you know, he still has work to do in AAA. Um, you know, and it, but again, I mean, he got to AAA at the end of his first full pro season. So, yeah. so that's saying something. And, you know, I, I do think there's some parallels between him and Kerstad. They're different types of players, but it was the same type of thing. They, they took Kowser at five to spread money around elsewhere in their draft. And, and both those guys went higher than they expected to go on pure talent. But I think that that somewhat overshadowed that these guys are really, really good. You know, Kowser, the, the 2021 draft was not a great draft in terms of college bats. You know, Henry Davis uh, of the Pirates went first. And, I, you know, Kowser was the second one. And, and I think Kowser might have been the second best college bat, even though he wasn't projected to go that high. Um, I, I think he can really hit. You know, I think there's at least average power in there. And, it, you know, it could be average power with a lot of doubles. You know, maybe he's a, a 35-40 double guy with, you know, 20 home runs. He, you know, draws walks. He did strike out some last year because he, he works deep counts, but he has on-base skills. He, I think the biggest question is, is he a center fielder? And I think the answer to that is, I think he can play center. I think he can be an average, maybe a tick above average center fielder. He, he's got good instincts. He, he runs well enough. Um, it, it's just a case of, like, who else do you have on your team? You know, if you have that classic center fielder on your team, then you're probably putting Kowser on a corner. But I, I think he could play center. But I, 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 think, I, I think you're right. I would expect him to be up in the second half of the season. And I could see him being a guy who hits in the, you know, maybe, in, you know, not necessarily as a rookie, but, you know, we're talking lineup of the future. I could see him batting, you know, first or second in the Orioles lineup and, and setting the table for that, you know, Rutschman, Henderson, Kerstad, middle of the order. Yeah, and 
I, I think the bat is is more about average than power with him, but I, I expect him to be almost like a Nick Markakis type of player when it's when it's all said and done, yeah. which I think is a, a, a lot for the Orioles to hope for there. A um, few more minutes here with Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. Um, the Orioles, Jim, have a lot of good infield prospects with not a lot of places to put them. We already talked about Jackson Holiday. You have Jordan Westberg, who's the organizational minor league player of the year. Connor Norby led all Orioles minor leaguers in home runs of 29. Joey Ortiz has an elite glove, and his bat seems to be catching up pretty rapidly. Cody Mayo, he has ridiculous power and barrel to ball skills, has never met a fastball he can't destroy. So they have a lot of options there, not a lot of places Let's start with Joey Ortiz. We talked with Keith Law last spring. He predicted Ortiz would be the Orioles starting shortstop by mid-2022. That didn't happen, but through no fault of his own. What kind of big leaguer can we expect Ortiz to be? And do you expect him to maybe supplant uh, Jorge Mateo at some point this season? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, how Mateo performs, too. You know, because you can you have the luxury of letting Ortiz, who had a great year, develop a little bit more. I mean, for as good a year, you know, I, I know Mateo played really good defense, and he, I, I guess he led the American League in steals, mm-hmm. but he also had a 267 on base percentage. Right. So, like, you know, to me, you know, you know not, not a bad year, you know, especially with the glove. Like, he, he played better at shortstop. I always thought of him as more of an average defender. I mean, and you guys saw him. He, he had a really good year at shortstop. I, I think really opened smiles with his defense. But I, I think Ortiz... I don't think there's any question in my mind that Ortiz is going to be a better big leaguer than Mateo. And it, it's hard to play a guy with a sub 270 batting average in your lineup when you're trying to win, you know, even if he is really good with the gloves. So yeah, I, I could see Ortiz taking over for him. He's a, he's a really gifted defender. You know, you talk about all these middle infielders. I think he's no question. He's the best defensive infielder the Orioles have among all their young guys. And the question is going to be, you know, what does he do with the bat? And, you know, he, he's gotten better. <laughs> excuse me, every year at the plate, which is encouraging. You know, even, you know, after a kind of solid performance at double A, he crushed triple A in the final month of the season. You know, I don't know, you know, I don't know that I think he, you know, last year he hit 284 and he hit 19 homers. I don't know if I see him doing that in the big leagues, but I could see him hitting, say, you know, 260, 270, which is an above average hitter these days. And, you know, getting on base at a decent clip. And, you know, maybe having, you know, 15 homer power, maybe a little bit more. But, you know, and that's, I'm probably being a little conservative there. And if he does that with the way he's capable of playing defense, that, that, that's a really good shortstop. So, I, you know, not necessarily right away because it takes some time to adapt. But I think he's a better offensive player than Jorge Mateo. And I, and I think in the long run, he's going to be a better defensive player than Jorge Mateo. He's not as fast. He's not going to steal bases. But I think he, he's a better hitter. I don't think there's any mind he's a better hitter and a better on-base guy. And he's going to have more usable power than Mateo. So, yeah, I, I could see him up next year. And it's it's kind of funny, like, with all their talent, he kind of gets overlooked a little bit. I mean, yeah. not by you, but, like, he doesn't get as much publicity as some of the other names in the system. Jim, we saw Joey Ortiz break out this year, as we just talked about. And you look at the guys in, that are coming into 2023. Is there any guy specifically that you see in the Orioles system breaking out and having a really good year? Um, hmm. You know, I, well, he didn't have a bad year this year. I've always kind of liked Hudson Haskin. Like, he's always kind of intrigued me as a guy who's not a, you know, ranked near the top of their prospect list. I think he's one. Um, I used to do, I mean, I still do, <coughs> excuse me, our Astros coverage. And I think, you know, you, you can look at Chase McDermott and see the five five six ERA, but he also had 160 strikeouts and 103 and two-thirds innings. And I think if he can make some adjustments, 
and throw more strikes and get better command and control, he could really take off. And he's athletic. He comes from an athletic family. He's got a brother who made it to the NBA. Um, and he hadn't pitched a whole lot at Ball State, and then you had the pandemic. So I think, you know, the more he pitches, the better he's going to get. I, I think he's a guy to watch. And then I don't know off the top of my head when we're going to see – I guess Seth Johnson we might see in the second half of the year, right? Because he had mm-hmm. Tommy John in the first half of this year. Seth Johnson has a chance to be really, really good. I, I know the Trey Mancini trade was kind of tough to take at the time, you know, given you know everything that Trey Mancini meant to the Orioles and their fans. But to get McDermott and to get Seth Johnson in that trade, um, you know, I, for Seth Johnson's point, I could put up huge numbers because he's come back from Tommy John. But I, I do think that you know when we see him pitch, you know, down the stretch next year. It could be a guy that we start saying, hey, this guy's going to be in the Orioles rotation pretty soon, and, and he could be pretty good. Yeah, and that's what we were hearing. And, and Zach and I are realistic Orioles guys here, so when, when, when Trey got traded, the return that he got, we were thrilled with it. Uh, and we kind of saw the writing on the wall with Trey. So I think we're on the same page with you as far as Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott. Um, I do want to talk again a little bit about these middle infielders, and I, specifically in the same category, Jordan Westberg and Connor Norby. And I think that one of these two guys is the Orioles' second baseman of the future. Um, I, I think Westberg is maybe a little bit more athletic and more versatile defensively, um, but I think that Connor Norby has the better hit tool. If you're looking at these two in a bubble who do you think ultimately is ends up being the better big leaguer? Is it going to be Norby or is it going to be Westberg? Yeah, you know, I think you broke those guys down pretty well. I think Norby's the better pure hitter. I think Westberg's got, you know, a little more pop. He's got more speed. He's got more defensive versatility. You can play him on the left side of the of the infield too. You know, I mean, it, it probably comes down to who produces more in the big leagues. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because <laughs> I got asked this in a pipeline inbox question and people got all outraged because I didn't count or, or hey, Mateo is part of the Orioles until the future. <laughs> but let's, let's say Joey Ortiz is for real. So he's your best shortstop. Okay. Gunnar Henderson plays third. Then I, 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 I guess we're playing Jackson Holiday at second. Um, and then, and then where do you put Westberg, you know, or, um, or Norby, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think what's possible, if if guys reach their ceilings, you know, I mean, look, not everybody's going to show you to pan out, although you're, you're really good prospects tend to. I was going to say, you know, maybe, you know, I think Westbrook's got enough versatility and then maybe he becomes that Mark DeRosa type of dude who could play second, third, short in the outfield corners and, you know, winds up, you know, playing 130 games at five different positions. Mm-hmm. If he needs to bounce around, you know, if, if Ortiz, let's say Ortiz, you know, Ortiz's offensive ceiling isn't as high as these other guys were talking about. You know, if Ortiz, let's say he doesn't hit as much as, as you hope, then maybe Holiday's your shortstop and Norby's your second baseman and, and, you know, Gunner's your third baseman and Ortiz is kind of your defensive-minded utility guy, and Westbrook still does that thing where he kind of bounces all over the place. I mean, hey, here's the thing that's nice about it is because he's got – not all prospects are going to pan out. It's good to have options. It's tough. You know, and look, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. Like when you're you know, looking at a team that's trying to rebuild and you're like, oh, okay, this guy's going to be the second base in the future and this guy's going to go here. But they have kind of like one option at every position. And then the problem is, okay, what if – you know, a third of those guys don't pin out, then you still have a bunch of holes. And what I like about the Orioles is that they've got multiple options 
you know, yeah. for these things, you know, same thing in the outfield, you know, we're, you know, we're talking Cowser, we're talking Stowers, we're talking Kerstad, they drafted Dylan Beavers, they drafted Joe Fabian, they've got Cedric Mullins, you know, it's like, there's what, I just ran off six outfielders and you need three. And, you know, it's, they've got a lot of options, you know, Kobe Mayo probably winds up at first base or DH, which is, you know, probably what Mountcastle does. I mean, you, you, but you've got, you know, you, you've got a number of options. That's, that's why it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. And, and the nice thing is, they're going to kind of get there. You know, holiday's going to take, you know, most at least two minor league seasons to get there. So you can kind of try to work in, I think, Ortiz and Henderson and Westberg next year. And, you know, maybe Norby toward the end of the year gets up, you know, gets up there. But it's not like you don't have to figure it out today, I guess is what no, I'm saying. You, you just have a bunch of options. You absolutely don't. And and let, let's be honest about this too, Jim, is that if we have this conversation this time next year or even three to six months from now, there's a good likelihood that some of these guys we've discussed today aren't in the organization anymore because the Orioles have traded them for pitching. There's well, and I was going to say, that's the other thing. You, you have that flexibility to go, now that you're contending, you, can, you, know, you, you have a surplus, you have one of the best farm systems in baseball, you can do exactly that. You can go out and, and you know, if the Orioles were to sign a free agent pitcher and then go trade for a pitcher, you know, they... You know, could we see them winning the wild card next year if things work out the way they they hope? Yeah, you you really could, and you're right. I mean, you know, they could trade. You know, you could trade a Jordan Westbrook because you have a Connor Norby. You could trade a Kyle Stowers because you have a Colton Cowser. You know, I, I mean, they're not going to trade. You know, the, the big guys, but but you do have some flexibility. I mean, you depending who you're talking to, you know, maybe you do trade Joey Ortiz and and you let Mateo you know, kind of bridge the gap until Jackson Holiday's ready to play short, you know, and, you know, or you always play Gunner and short and, and somebody else at third, but like, yeah, it, it gives you a lot of options. I mean, nobody ever has, hey, I, it, it, it's never a problem to have too many guys for too few spots because you can, you can just trade guys to, to fill other holes. Sure. Absolutely. Now, Jim, final question. And you kind of uh, mentioned it not too long ago, Ryan Mountcastle, he had all the peripherals uh, to say last season should have been a breakout year if a guy who had 33 homers uh, as a rookie needs a breakout year. Stats didn't match the peripherals. Job at first is his in 2023, but you said, you know, and I, and I agree with you, Kobe Mayo kind of profiles as a first baseman, even though he has that elite arm. Is is um, What do you think the chances are that the first baseman of the future for the Orioles is Kobe Mayo and not Ryan Mountcastle, or do you think that um, Mayo ultimately ends up being more of a DH. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, again, I think a lot of that comes down to how Mountcastle does. I mean, Mountcastle has power, but it, it's power over hit, and he's not a big on-base guy. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a, you know, I, I guess what you say, mildly acceptable on-base percentage. It's not awful, but it's not great either. Right. Um, you know, and he, he's not a very good defender. I mean, I think that winds up becoming more, you know, it depends on Ryan Mountcastle. I mean, with Mayo, he's probably realistically, you know, he played, you know, a, a little over a month in Double A last year. Didn't tear it up. I mean, realistically, I think Mayo we're looking at at some point in 2024. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it comes down to how Mountcastle does in 2023. If Mountcastle, you know, his numbers go up, and let's say he can, you know, get on base, you know, 320 clip, and he hits 30 home runs, you know, then. Yeah, you know, one of those guys is your first baseman, one of those guys is a DH when Mayo's ready for a shot. But if Mountcastle, let's say Mountcastle regresses a little bit more and, you know, his numbers go down and he hits, let's say he hits 245 with a 300 on base and 18 homers, you know, then, you know, he might be, you know, the guy who's on the bench 
and Mayo is playing at some point in 2024. So I, I think a lot of that, I mean, that's what I was trying to say before when you have all these options. I mean, yeah, they are going to try to win next year. They are going to try to contend. But you don't, you don't have to answer all the questions right now. Or even at the end of 2023, you're just gathering more information. So I think, I think how Mountcastle versus Mayo plays out or if they're both in a lineup, it really depends on what Mountcastle does next year. I mean, and again, I mean, I, I like Ryan, but let's say, let's say, well, let's say he has a bad year and he hits 240 with 15 homers and like a 280 on base percentage. You might not tender the guy theoretically yeah. Yeah. Um, rather than have to go to arbitration, but you know, like it, it could go in any direction. I mean, what if he goes in the other direction and he hits 35 homers next year, you know, then all of a sudden he might be an all-star. So, I mean, that, that's what's kind of, I mean, I, I, I feel good for Orioles fans is that a, the team I think is going to at least, you know, contend to some extent next year but b like i i think we're only at the beginning of seeing how good this orioles team can be can become you know we'll, we'll you know how good is is joey ortiz you know we'll, we'll know more next year and like how, how's the infield going to shake out you know with all these guys it's it, it's fun to consider all the options and and again having multiple options gives you fallbacks in case some guys don't don't pan out like you hope yeah, it, it's going to be. Um, it, it looks. It's looking like this past year was just the beginning of a lot of fun seasons lining up here for the Orioles to come. So, uh, Jim, what can we uh, what can we plug for you before we let you go today? Yeah, well, if you, if you if people head over to MLB Pipeline at MLB dot com, you know the nice thing is all of our reports and everything are free. So our, we we've got our Orioles top thirty, which we put together in August, but we've got video and detailed scouting reports and all those guys and. Probably the most recent thing we did was uh, AFL top 30 prospects list and, and Heston Kerstad's factor is very prominently on there and starting to work on some draft stuff. We'll have a, a draft top 100 out after the uh, winter meetings, which I, I guess probably doesn't excite Orioles fans quite as much as it did in the days where they were always picking at the top of the draft, although mm-hmm. they are draft lottery eligible. So who knows? Maybe they'll, uh, maybe, maybe the, the ping pong balls will come up there in their favor and, and they'll pick high again, but that's that's kind of what we're working on right now. So sure, I think I saw the Orioles have like a one point seven percent chance of getting the number one overall pick in the draft again this year. So if, if that happens, I think we'll be giddy here in Baltimore. <laughs> so well, even if you get like the number two or three pick, because it's like I, I you know it's it's it, it's it's in the, probably an average draft, but um, I don't think there's a clear cut number one. So if they could just jump into the top four or five picks, um, you might get a guy at four or five who's a good number one. But yeah, it is a long shot for them, but it, it'll be interesting to see how the how the lottery plays out. And w- when does that lottery take place? Is it right before the draft? I guess it can't do that because you have no, to have no, time it's to it's Yeah, yeah it's at the winter meetings. Oh, okay. It's at the winter meetings on de- December 6th. They'll have a, I think they're going to do a half hour on MLB Network from the winter meetings. And, and just a quick synopsis of it is it, it's for the first six picks. So if the Orioles, you know, and then the odds are against them. If the Orioles don't jump in the first six picks, they will remain at number, I think they have the 17th pick right now in the first round. And there's been a little confusion, even with some teams. The lottery is only for the first round. Like the Orioles will pick 17th in subsequent rounds, regardless of what happens in the lottery. Sure. Yeah, and that, that 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 would make sense. It wouldn't be fair to have them get the number one pick. Say, say they get the number one yeah, pick, and every round. pick in every round too. That wouldn't be fair. But Jim, always great talking with you. I love when our paths cross. We will certainly be talking to you uh, in the new year and as we get closer to the draft. Until then, my friend, have a great holiday season. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you guys too. And uh, it's an exciting time to be the Oriole, an Orioles fan. So uh, keep up the good work. I know, I know people up in Baltimore are pretty excited about the club. We certainly are. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. See you. 
That was Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline, one of the nicest guys in the sport, and he's always gracious enough to give us some time here. Um, and he's always gracious enough to come on the show right around the draft, which is he's so busy. So I'm always grateful for that. It's nice yeah. to talk to him in the yeah. offseason when you know we can lock it down and have a little bit more time with sure. him. So, uh, I want to remind you that the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, new Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin Duvernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com When we come back in, Zach do you have a trivia question for me today? I do. When we come back in we have a trivia question which will determine um, our final thoughts and we'll close things out on the batter round. That and more next. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com Glory Days Grill great food good sports that first sip that first bite Mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. 
Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guildfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back into the Bat Around. The Bat Around is brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 29th at Mother's Peninsula Grill in Arnold. Uh, Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights memorabilia and brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com Bowser and look if you happen to miss a show if you happen to miss a Tyus Bowser show don't worry you can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan Zach trivia yeah I got, got a, for me? I got a tough one for you I'll be honest okay. with you this is a tough one uh since the watch well, me crush l- it. let me let me give some context on this so we have the rule five draft coming up in a few weeks obviously and I wanted to do a rule five based question today so that's okay. that's what we have for you since the year 2000 the Orioles have had 12 players they've taken in the Rule 5 draft play in the major leagues. Can you name the 12 players? Um, Julio Bourbon. Not one of them. No, no, no. It's, that, that, that's not his name. It's, it's something similar to that. Um, it, like Morbin or... There's some, There's a name I, that, close to that. Are you sure that was before the year t- or after the year 2000? Because yes. I do not have him on this list. Hmm. He, All right, he, so, might, he might have been taken, but he, uh, this is only the guys that have played in the majors with the Orioles. Uh, th- I saw this okay. guy play in the majors, and he was a Rule 5 pick. So I'm going to start off with the obvious ones. You have Ryan Fla- R- Ron Flattery. You have sure. Anthony Santander. Sure. Nestor Cortez Jr. Yep. Um, Pedro Alarujo. I didn't know if you'd get that one. That, that's another one. Um, who was the other guy? It was. I don't think he played in the majors. I think they gave him back before him. But Drew Jackson. Drew Jackson. Yep. Um, so I have five. Oh, uh, TJ McFarland. Yes, TJ McFarland. Yep. By the way, there's there's thirteen because I can't count. Tyler Wells. Tyler Wells. Yep. Um, who did they take in the role five this past year? Oh, Richie Martin. Richie Martin. Who did they? Another take, big one. Who did they take in the role five this past year? Um. 
Actually, there's there's 14 because Richie Martin is not on my list. So there you go. Richie Martin is huh. another one. So there's 14. It's like uh, when I gave you the trivia question it, last year and totally forgot about Albert yeah, Bell. It, it, Albert Bell wasn't on the list. Whoever put at. out this list is <laughs> incorrect because Richie Martin is absolutely one of them. Um, God, I'm trying to remember who the hell they took. There's a big prominent one you're missing at the moment. Um, actually, a few prominent ones that are well-known. There's one I, I don't think you're going to get. Few prominent ones that are well. Yeah, there, there's one that played on the team for I believe three straight years. I want to say three years. Oh, 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 oh. Um, um, um. Joey Rickard. Joey Rickard. There you go. So I have nine. So you have yeah. You have uh, yeah. I have correct. nine. Um. Did they take somebody in the rule five this past year? Oh, uh, there wasn't a rule five this past year. There wasn't. Year. A there rule there five. wasn't a yeah. rule five this past year. Correct. So I'm trying to think without hurting myself. Um. <laughs> Let's see, 2013, who did they take in the Rule 5? There was another guy. They took two guys in the Rule 5 when Drew Jackson played, and I can't remember his name, and I don't know that he stayed. And I know that they gave... um, They took two guys in, like, 2021 that they sent back. Yeah, that was Brandon Bailey and another reliever from the Phillies, I believe it was. So those guys did not count. And it's not like Jose Morban or something like that. You got a Jose. There is a Jose, but it's not that. Jose. This um, is the second earliest. So you're yeah, looking at- I think this is the guy that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, what the hell was his last name? If you say it, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah. You uh, will. I, I, you I, absolutely I, will because he is a very prominent guy. He's a prominent list. guy. Yes. Yeah. And then they took in a rule five. They did. And, I, he, and he played here. He did play in Baltimore. It's just not a prominent guy you would think of as far as an Oriole goes. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to call it, man. I got I got okay. nine. I'm, I'm pretty, I'll, I'll I'm pretty proud of the nine. So, in 2000, they took Jay Gibbons. So, that was number oh, one. Oh, that's right. And, so he, that hit, was he, hit, and he hit 15 home runs. Jay, yeah, Jay Gibbons was, was not too bad of one. But Jose Bautista in 2003. Oh, six, yeah. 16 games with the Orioles. That's it. That's it. I, Sixteen games. I, I never even remembered him playing, but I rem- I knew he was taking. Um, so that's Fair. so that's eleven. And so Alfredo Simon in two thousand six. Alfredo Simone. Simone. Okay. Simone. There you go. He, he okay. was okay. I've been he saying had, it Simon for the, my entire his life. His name is Alfredo Simone. Wow. Hmm. He um he was a better pit. He be, he was a really good starting pitcher for like a year or two in Cincinnati. And he's the guy. He was he famously I think he accidentally killed somebody because he, he shot a be gun right. in the air and the ball came down and struck somebody. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, the last one is Rander Beard. Never would have gotten Not that. a guy I remember Never at all. Never even heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> well, he didn't. Ran- I, Rander Beard. For a lot of these guys, I mean, they, they last, like Pedro Arujo, for example, last a couple games in the majors, and that's about it. But I thought it was intriguing just because, you know, it, it, there is a chance, I guess, the Orioles could take someone in the Rule 5 this year. Probably not as big of a of a chance as there's been in the in the previous years because they're, they're turning the corner on the rebuild here. But that's it's definitely interesting to think about. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Orioles are going to do with the Rule 5 this year because yeah. I don't think they should take somebody. I, I, I don't think they're going to waste the roster spot on that. It, it's, unless it's the only way I see it happening is... It, a reliever. Well, and if you get a guy like Santander, where you know the prospect value is really high, which they knew about Santander in twenty, what was that? Seventeen, they took him, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that the, the value was really high, and that the injury was was holding him back. Maybe I'd take a chance on a guy like that. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm not gonna. I think I did well enough. Oh yeah, you did you very know, well, very you know, well. Um, that, 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 I love those kinds of trivia questions because it's stuff that like I know the answer. 
I, I, I know enough of the answer that yeah. I feel like I should get them all. Rander Beard, I, I've ne- I have no idea who that is. But I should have <laughs> got either. I should have gotten Jay Gibbons. When Jay Gibbons played for the Orioles, I didn't know what the Rule Five draft was. Yeah, fair. So okay. I just thought that okay. he was a pros- I, I just thought that he was a minor leaguer. I learned yeah. later as I became more acclimated to it that he was a Rule Five pick, and I know he hit 15 home runs that year. Um, and then Jose Bautista. I don't ever remember him playing for the Orioles, but yeah. I know that well, he it was, was sixteen games. But so. I know that he was taken in the Rule Five by them, and that, that was a guy. If they had, maybe we wouldn't hate him if they had held on <laughs> no, to him. Maybe not. You know, maybe not. Um, that's a, that, that was a great trivia question. Great, great question, Zach. And, and because it was such a great question, it was challenging and fun. I'm going to let you do your final thoughts first. Okay, so I'm going to talk about something. I'm kind of moving my my final thoughts and sounding off into one segment for I guess yeah, for, we, the, we for had, the winter. We had to skip sounding off time. To, today. Well, I'm going to do that right here. So I like a, a Brewers pickup they made this Brewers. week. A, a Brewers pickup they made this week. Uh, Javi Guerra came from the Rays for a player to be named later. And Javi Guerra is a really interesting guy. He hasn't really pitched all that well. I mean. This year, he put up a 3.38 ERA in about 20 games in the majors. He won two of them, um, but he's only 27 years old. And this guy has a blazing fastball. He's up there 98-99. His fastball velo was in the 95th percentile in the in the small sample size that he had this year. But the Brewers got a guy who can really up those strikeout numbers. He had around a five and a half strikeout per nine rate last year, and that can go way up with a fastball that's that hot. Um, if, if the stuff comes around for Javi Guerra, only being 27 years old, plenty of room for improvement. You know I love raised pitchers, and whenever mm-hmm. a raised pitcher gets moved, I always get excited about it because someone else is going to get a really good player. I mean, like the Orioles did with Cole Saucer, you've seen guys that come from the Rays over the years um, who go under the radar. So completely. you're fired up about Seth Johnson? Uh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, the guy's From everything we've heard, from Jim Callis, from Jonathan Mayo, from any of the guys covering Seth Johnson, it seems like that was a really, really good Mm -hmm. pickup. Any of the Rays pitchers, I always get excited about them. So I think the Brewers made a really sneaky move here, and the Rays just keep producing these guys over and over. We'll see who that player to be named later is. I'm assuming it's not going to be someone great, but again, the Rays find these guys over and over. So this guy went to the Rays? No, this guy came from the Rays. Came from the Rays to the Brewers. Correct. So I, you know, let's see, uh, let's see what the Rays get. We'll have to keep that 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 name in mind. Like that. I would love to be to look at this in the season, yeah, and see sure, what, see what sure. he's doing. So we have to find a way to like remember, yeah, Javi sure. Guerra. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Rays are, are, they're a pitching factory, uh, yeah, and uh, they, they they do it the right way. I think the Orioles are kind of becoming that. Um, hopefully, yeah. it's, it seems like yeah. the, their, their pitching development took a step forward in a big way this year. So that's exciting for the for the Brewers. Less exciting, I guess, for the Rays. I don't well, know. I, I, the Rays, they're going to be back this year because they're going to have all these guys back off of the injured list. But I, I'm interested to see what happens with them, whether they get uh, relocated, whether they get a new stadium, whether they can continue to to perform, to, to run the business yeah. uh, the way that they do. And still be competitive. Yeah. By yeah. the way, Guerra's moved around a little bit. Um, I should have mentioned that. He's been with San Diego, and I believe he was with Washington at one point, too. But he's ended up with the Rays last year. So that was the only year he's been with the Rays. But again, what they can do to their pitchers, and like you said, they do it the right way. Yeah. Um, my final thought, um, and I wasn't going to discuss this because I didn't want to give credence to it without it being confirmed. But if you're following Twitter, if you're on Twitter and you follow Baltimore Sports, you may have seen from a guy, Spencer Schultz, who's a big Ravens guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put out a post last night that Jack, Zach shared with me saying that he he's like, look, I know I'm a football guy and I don't know much about baseball, but I have it from a reliable source that the Orioles are in deep negotiations with a local investment group 
uh, for the sale of the Orioles. And the, so the Angelos are in a deep negotiation. Somebody else uh, chimed in. They said, you know, I heard it from, from a similar source who's very reliable, that, and they're surprised that this isn't public knowledge. By the way, Ryan Ripken said on Twitter yesterday that he can't confirm or deny, so take that for what you will. Right. And they said that um, while this move, it's expected the payroll will go up because of this move, that they don't expect any marquee free agent signings this off season. And I found it interesting that Ryan said on the show today, Ryan Ripken said on the show today that he doesn't expect any marquee free agent signings. And we all, we all know that major league baseball has approached Cal Ripken about being part of an ownership group with the Orioles. Now, maybe if it's a local investment group, it could be, I think there's a good chance that Cal's involved in that. My final thought though, isn't about that. Um, but it's about, I think that we, you know, I, I, I had a point. I had an original final thought, and I lost it. I, I lost it as we went through the show. And it had something to do with the sale of the team and not signing the marquee free agents. I think a sale of the team is only going to end up being good for the franchise itself. Um, people have talked about how they think, that, like, are they going to move the team? Are they going to move? The, they're not going to move the team. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball is not going to let them move the team. And if Cal's part of an investment group yeah. um, that's going to be buying the franchise, Cal's not going to be part of an investment group that's going to move the team. And even if they wanted to move it, they, like I said, Major League Baseball will not let it, them. It's not worth our time really talking about it, to be honest. Right. I mean, it's because it's it's a topic that really isn't doesn't have any credibility and hasn't for a while. Right, right. So it's... It's one of those, but people are going to be scared. Oh, sure. Yeah. People, people, yeah. people are going are going to be scared about it. But look, if, if the Orioles don't go out and get a marquee free agent this this offseason, and the marquee free agents are in places really where the Orioles don't necessarily have a need. Yeah. Um. And I, but I will always say you want to get a guy who's established above um a guy who's a prospect who you think is going to be really good, at, yeah. like at shortstop, for example, or if you were able to sign Aaron Judge. I do think if they're going to spend money, that they would be willing to spend money on a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wouldn't wouldn't um, I wouldn't rule out maybe them them trading for a hitter. Yeah, um, certainly. I don't know who that hitter could be. I do think they're going to trade for some pitching, but um, I do like the idea of Cody Bellinger. I don't hate the idea. Uh, the, if there's the, any team that can turn him around, it's Baltimore. Right. The 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 the. the the thing with it is he's got a big, long, looping swing, yeah. and they broke down his swing, and his, I think because of the shoulder issue, mm-hmm. he changed his bat path. He did. He did. You know, um, and I think that he's trying to, to refine things, but I think yeah. I also read an article where they said, if because he and Christian Yelich had a dramatic drop-off at the yeah. same time, right? and they said that if either of the two are going to bounce back and regain that form, it's going to be Cody Bellinger, because yeah. um, Yelich, his it's because of chronic back issues right. with him, and he's never going to get rid of that. Um, so I think Bellinger would be worth taking a flyer sure. on um, for the Orioles. And it's crazy to say that the 2017 Rookie of the Year and 2019 yeah. NL MVP would be taking a flyer on him. But, man, I really wish I remembered my original final thought. Next because, show. We'll get it next show. Because it was a no good worries. one, and I just I, I can't remember. But we're already at 1236, um, so we got to get out of here. want to thank everybody for tuning in. Today's show has also been brought to you by UMB, UMBC Basketball, which is back at Chesapeake Employers Insurance 
Performance Arena. And tickets are available now at umbcretrievers.com. Don't miss any of the great early season matchups as the men take on local rivals Coppin State on November 30th and Morgan State on December 10th, while the women square off with American on December 18th. Experience the excitement of game day at the peak by getting your tickets right now to come see the Retrievers at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. Lock yours in at umbcretrievers.com. Also a hell of a concert venue. I've seen Shine down there twice. It's awesome. And your favorite band. Wasn't it uh, Limp Biscuit played there, right? Wasn't yeah, that I saw Limp Biscuit there. Your favorite band. I had to see I, I had to see Limp Biscuit. The funny thing is <laughs> that my buddy Josh, <laughs> you were playing golf with me when yeah, I learned and he, this. He was actually going. He was actually going to yeah. the show. I ended up going and sitting with him the entire show. Yeah. Um, even though our tickets weren't next to each other. He was actually already he pre-ordered <laughs> tickets for the show. He pre-ordered. I respect that. You he, know what? Pre- and I'll tell you though, man. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. It was so much fun, and they worked the crowd. He, he brought up multiple <laughs> fans at different times to sing the songs yeah. with him, and they were good. And then at the end, when they played Break Stuff, which is like their most popular song, yeah. the, he let so many people storm the stage. No offense to Limp Biscuit, but I listened to that song, and that's like one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. Like, it's really I, No good. offense it's, to it's, them, but it's, it's awful. It's, it's a good lifting song. It's a good song to lift to. Okay, that makes um, sense. Um... And I thought it was so funny. The opening, one of the opening acts for them was this band called. Well, th- there was this one girl who was just. I remember sc- this. Scream metal, and she. Yeah. Was, I have no idea what she said at any point. I think I made out the f word like once. Uh, yeah. It was just sc- she just screamed. Like, rah, rah, rah. I was like, what is this? But then Wargasm came out, <laughs> and they had so much energy, <laughs> oh. and they were so much fun. And I don't think I got to talk about it on this show, so I'm going to do it now if you don't mind me taking a minute or two. It was so much fun because they had this guy who was like a DJ for them, and he was also their tech guy. Like the girl was playing bass, and her and her chord kept coming out of the bass, and he was like sitting there as she's singing and playing, sticking the chord in at, like on the stage and duct taping. <laughs> he, I wa- literally watched this man duct tape her, her cable into her That's... bass as she's singing and playing, right? And then out of nowhere, the same guy <laughs> grabs a microphone dives off the stage wow. into the crowd and he's standing on the shoulders of people in the crowd and he's rapping in one of the songs and he was more talented than the, than the two singers at another point the main male singer fell off the he jumped into the crowd he tried to jump back up onto the stage he missed the stage and hit the ground then he got back up and the tech who had been rapping earlier tried to pull him up on the stage and dropped him on the floor Man. again it was freaking hysterical well, it sounds it, like i missed a good time it was wildly entertaining it was so it was they they were and they were okay, but it was awesome because it was so funny and it was just so much fun. The whole show was ridiculously awesome, ridiculously awesome. Anyway, that's gonna do it for us here on the Bat Around. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to Zach for the incredible work he does on the show every week. Thanks to Stan for his weekly segment. Thank you to Ryan Ripkin for coming on. Great guest to have. And hopefully, it was his first, but hopefully not his last appearance on the show. And special thanks to Jim Callis, one of the nicest men in the sport of baseball and always gracious enough to come on our show. Awesome show today. Really appreciate all the listeners and all of you. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. We will see you not next week. Remember, no show next week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. So we will see you in December here on the Bat Around. Until then, see ya!